Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Real Deal Talk today. I've got, I, I don't even know if this, this studio can handle the energy that's in this room right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got Casey LeBlanc with me today. This guy right here, he owns New Venture Escrow, which I, I, I don't think it would even be possible to make an escrow company look sexy. And he, he's done it. He's done it. Casey, talk to me here. How sexy is, is New Venture Escrow? You know, I said that years ago. I said, let's make escrow sexy. And all my staff was like, what? what? I said, exactly. That's exactly. exactly why we want to do that. So, folks, we're going to get into this today. We're going to talk about that. But, but, but most importantly, you know how we do it. I want to dig into his – I really want to dig into his backstory because right now he's one of the most successful uh, ventro, uh, sorry, escrow um, companies in North America. Um, he owns several commercial buildings. Um, he owns a tech company. I mean, the, the, ladies and gentlemen, the list goes on and on, which is all fine and dandy because everybody sees this incredible guy taking over the world here. But we're going to find out how he got there. First and foremost, as I've been doing now, I'm going to do a quick, quick announcement from our sponsor. And that's me also, Real Deal Sleep. All right. So let me just pop that in real quick, ladies and gentlemen. And first and foremost, everybody, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for tuning in, for listening, for watching uh, all the DMs I'm getting, the text messages when I'm out in public or out the church, people are coming up to me. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, if you want to support the show, as I said, post a review. Some, if somebody or a guest or something we've said has, has inspired you or kind of made an impact, please post some form of a, a review about it because that helps us keep us going and on top of that if you really want to support the, the show because because real deal sleep pays the bills around here uh real deal talk doesn't have a budget yet <laughs> all right yeah go buy a mattress yeah we're not quite there yeah go buy a mattress yes. or refer somebody to buy a mattress realdealsleep.com is where you find me you can book an appointment i do a private concierge type service where if you're not sleeping in zero gravity at this point if you have any snoring apnea reflux circulation issues i can help with all that so real deal sleep folks if you really want to support the financial aspect of real deal talk then come and uh, support real deal sleep so there there you go. There's your there's your quick uh, word from the sponsor, and now back to you, Casey LeBlanc. Well, you do. I don't know if people know this, but you do. You have a studio, and there's mattresses, right? That's there. right. So I, I know yeah. there's some strategic uh, play here that I'm I'm all about it. Yeah. It's a genius, actually. Yeah. So Casey will be in zero gravity probably <laughs> within the right. month. Twenty four hours. Twenty four hours tonight. <laughs> tonight. Right. He's gonna walk out with a sleep system. Uh, yeah, that's that's my whole plan. That's right. I know yeah. we're gonna negotiate the deal on air. Right. Uh, the, uh, the, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna first you're time. Gonna, you're gonna. <laughs> You're going to watch me sell a mattress on the air. That's I right. love that, dude. I love it. All right. So, Casey, talk to me here. Um, I'm very excited about this because, as we talked about right before the interview, how you got a you got a huge fan base. you got a ton of employees, a ton of people that just respect you, think you're phenomenal. They love you. But n not that many people know exactly how you got to where, you got, where you're at. Would you say that's true? That's true. Correct. Okay. So, let's go back. Where, do you, where were you born and raised? So, I'm a Bay Area kid, born and raised in San Jose. Yep. Uh, stayed there through college. Um, went to San Jose State. I'm a proud alum. Went to a all boys Catholic. Then went to a state school. There's a there's a story there. But so hold on, all boys Catholic was what is that? High school what was that? Yeah, all boys Catholic okay. was high school. So my uh, my father didn't think I had the uh, the discipline at mm. a young age. I was kind of running around <laughs> and uh, had no no religion in my life. Yeah. I had never I had never been to church at that point. And uh, he sent me to all boys Catholic. It was actually a, a funny story. I get, I get up in. Uh, in the, my first period class was a math class and a, and a priest walks in and he says, he looks around the room and I'm, I'm like, what is going on? I've never, I didn't know priests were teachers and yeah. all this stuff. And so I, I really had no idea what was going on still. I, they kind of sent me to this high school for, for other reasons. Anyway, so he gets up and he sees me kind of horse, you know, horsing around in the back. So he calls me up 
And he says, what's your name, son? And I said, that's ah, Casey. Nice to meet you. And he goes, all right, I want you to look out and you lead us in our father. Oh, geez. And I look out and I go, Rick LeBlanc. <laughs> and he goes, he, everyone starts laughing. Are you th- I'm dead serious, right? I'm like, Rick LeBlanc. And I'm thinking they're going to say the name back. I don't know what's going on at this point. The priest is like, the whole class is laughing. The pri- Now I'm starting to get kind of embarrassed, right? Like, he was like, do you not know what the Our Father is? I go, I just told you. My yeah. father is Rick oh. LeBlanc. I mean, this whole parent, it's like out of a Saturday Night Live, you know? It's just back and forth for a couple of seconds. The, the priest was like 85 years old. I actually felt bad because I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to be funny. Yeah. Turns out everyone thought it was funny, but that was my first all boy that was my first experience really with a priest and with a church and all this stuff and so i do know the our father at this point now all right they did teach me that but that that was my my high school experience all right now hold on a second here you you can't just jump to high school an all-catholic school without giving me so hold up here what do you mean? So hold on. Were, you, were your parents going to churches when you were a kid? Were they always going to church? No, there wasn't. There wasn't a huge like religious um, influence. And in you have my brothers life. and sisters. I have a sister. Okay, yeah, younger, and, younger, and, and again, no, no background None. in the church. No, and it was so it was really odd. I think I think what happened is my dad. You give me the childhood. Go back a little bit. Okay. You, you jumped ahead on me. Don't don't be. You guys know how this. Come on. Uh, yeah, I'm it's... already in high school here. Yeah, we're we're three minutes in. <laughs> We're in high school. You, I already gave you my best story, too. That's all I got. <laughs> we that, can call it right here. That's it. All right. Hey, and that's a wrap. All right. So hold on. So I had, I mean, I had a, I had a really typical. Yeah, talk to me about the parents. Um, typical to stay together. Well, actually, that's not typical. Yeah. No, they didn't. They didn't. They, they're interesting. In high school, my dad had uh, five brothers, and they all played football. They all ended up kind of dating the cheerleader and marrying the cheerleader, having, you know, two kids and all living in the Bay Area. And so. Uh, my mom and dad, uh, you know, not they never made a ton of money, but they always did just just kind of enough to get us into a. They had we had public schooling, nice neighborhood, and stuff like that. But um, pretty definition of middle class. Okay. And uh, my dad was a you know he kind of cut out work early so he could coach me my entire life. Uh, mom was a nurse. Um, sister was you know kind of active and did dance and was always the smart one. I was kind of the athletic one. So. Um, really good, you know, background, a lot of love and, and, mm-hmm. and care from mom and dad growing up. They, they really wanted the best out of us. And I think as they saw, I was getting older, I was kind of getting into trouble. I was like kind of running around the neighborhood a bunch. And so they said, he needs this, the discipline that goes along with all boys Catholic. Mm-hmm. And now I was fine with the church part of it. The all boys part of it was kind of, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Can we, is there cussing on the show? Uh, yeah, you do whatever you want. Okay. So. So my dad, as at a in the eighth grade, did is there cussing on the show? You dude, you let it fly. Bro. Okay, this well, because it's part this of is your show. It's part of the story, right? Yeah. So he comes to me at eighth grade, and I said, "I'm not going all boys Catholic." And he goes, "The fuck you are! I'm, <laughs> I'm not asking you if you want to go." And so we get into this big thing where we, it was like a six month ordeal of like, I'm, "I really can't go to an all boys school. Like you could send me wherever you want, <laughs> but not an all boys school." And he says, look, son, he goes, you're going to look back on this, and I'm not going to be here when you make this decision, but you're either going to say thank you or fuck you. And he was dead serious. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, well, I can make that, I can make that call right, right now. now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say it to your face, but you know what my answer is. <laughs> and he goes, I'm not letting you make that call right now because you won't know the impact of what this school is going to do for you. And, you know, shoot, what's it been? Almost All right. Years. So hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. What the hell did you do so bad? 
that he did this to you. I, we, how long Come do on. we have? I mean, it was, yeah, go it down was the a list. laundry list of Give things. me something. I mean, I'm, I'm... Give me some stories. I mean, I mean, just normal, like, alpha kid stuff, right? Like, I've always kind of had this mentality of, like... Well, you get, did you get bad grades? So, so right, the, get, in grade wise, I was always like, I'm going to do the the least amount of work right. to get the like the, the, the best grades I can yeah, get to kind of get me back. I kind of wanted to sneak through. So I was no, I was never a great student, yeah. but I never really applied myself. So my mom used to come and she's like, "Why you're smarter than this? What is wrong with you?" Yeah. And I said, "Well, mom, I'm going to tell you something." And this was at a young age. Yeah. I was probably in elementary school. I think one of the keys to life is being well rounded. As a, at a really young age, my mom tells this story oh, all the God. time, and she's like looking at me. She's like, "This kid's like Where's ten years old. Yeah, this ten year old kid telling me." And we have this conversation. And we'll probably have this conversation at Thanksgiving. Is like, "Mom, I was right. Yeah. Being well rounded is important. You it's gotta, the number one most important thing. You got to understand how to talk to people. You got to understand how to engage, have relationships. Like, being book smart is not the end all be all. Right. And that's going to be on my tagline. On my, you know, at, at, at some point on my <laughs> the grade. tagline. Yeah, well rounded. <laughs> Didn't do much, but well rounded. So. <laughs> Yeah, but that, you know, that that was kind of my upbringing was trouble, trouble, trouble. Okay, we're going to now we're going to put them into uh, an all boys Catholic. See if that helps. Still got into a ton of trouble. I was just it was just with a bunch of guys okay, you know, so now running around neighborhoods doing okay. crazy shit. Yeah, give me some crazy stuff. What'd you do? I, like I, what got you into an all boys Catholic school? Well, I you got to tell it, me this because that's, that's it, like prison. I think part of it too was just looking at. Yeah, I know. So all due respect, sorry. I, well, terrible. I think a lot of it had to do with like the trouble part. Um, there was a okay, give me the trouble part, girls, <laughs> and then also the sports part. The sports okay. were really good, so I think a combination of all those things was like. <laughs> If this, if we put this guy in public school, he, we, who knows where he's going to end up? And so, ended up being where I look back. It was, it was a huge deal. For, my, my family had to sacrifice a lot of things to be able to yeah. afford, yeah, to get me into that. And I know, I, I carry with that with me uh, to this day is to, to for my dad who's no longer, no longer here, but legacy wise, I want him to know he made the right decision. Wow. And, and the answer is unequivocally, thank you. He did, a, he did, so did a real solid by the sacrifices he made. For, for and me. so did you did you ever get a chance to tell him thank you i did you did yeah yeah it was it was incredible i was uh i was getting older and he wasn't doing well with his health and so i ended up writing him a long letter wow about the impact and it was it was interesting we ended up finding it when he passed and, and he thought he lost it but he didn't it was in his house and he he had told me he had read it um hundreds of times wow and it was one wow. of the most impactful things that ever happened to him in his life <sighs> Crazy, bro. Yeah. Now, were your, did your parents? Is is my volume, Spencer? Is my volume good? Yeah. You, you sure? Yeah. Give me a little more, because because Casey's coming with fire over here, bro. I'm like, <laughs> I sound like a little mouse over here. I think. <laughs> L- listen to him. He's he's, well, we, he's, he's a fire breathing dragon we, over here. I'm a, we we talked about that before the show. We're like, you're like, are you comfortable? I'm like, well, no, because you're kind of up, up, up like a peacock over here. I'm like, we're about to we're about to start arm wrestling, and that, I don't want to do that. How we doing? How we doing? There there we go. See, ladies and gentlemen, you got to you know we got to get on my guy here. No, that is that still low. Okay, never mind. We're good. We're good. I think I'm tripping because Casey's just bringing fire over here. All right. <laughs> a lot of coffee this morning. A lot of we're coffee. Go. <laughs> All right. So uh, now, did you, were your parents, did they stay together when you were, your, your whole life? They didn't. They got divorced when I was a senior in, in high school. In high school. Yeah. But okay. it's interesting. They, they broke up, got divorced, and always stayed together. They ended up living about a block away from each other. Yeah. And basically, would just. I think it was they wanted... They just didn't want to live together. I think they didn't know how the mechanics would work, and they could just live in separate houses. But yeah. they were still pretty much ended up, you know, 
pretty much being married their entire life. That's interesting. Yeah, so. Do you want to elaborate on that? That's I, crazy. I, I, I wish I could figure it out. I've had some conversations with my mom and, and even with my dad when he was around. I'm like, what, what were you guys thinking? They're like, you know. Because listen, you've got people watching that are in relationships right now that are, they don't know what to do. They're glorified roommates at best at this point. Do yeah. we stick around for the kids? Maybe this is some insight on how to actually yeah, well, just separate houses. Yeah, well, I'm, I think living together in, in the constant, well, what, what am I doing given mar- marital <laughs> advice? What, I'm just stopping right there. Like, yeah, let me give you some of my love di- uh, uh, diaries here. But, uh, you know, I think ultimately they, they, they had a, a period in time where they weren't happy. And I think if I ask both of them, if they're both sitting here now, yeah. they said, I regret that. And mm. I think people, um, and I truly believe this, is that people don't fight through stuff enough, yeah. is that they? it's really easy to give up. Mm. It's really easy to move on. It's and, and I think if they both had to do it over again, they both would have said, I would have fought harder then and made it through ah. to the other side again. I, I, little things that I've picked up over the years. but I, And I think I just, I, I believe that it, it, in a life, I think you work through stuff. I think that's really important. Yeah. Su- super... Uh, relationships are super difficult and and you got to be able to just make a commitment and then do whatever it takes to make it successful and what's in- interesting man is because i was one of the ones that said yeah, just pull the plug when it's not working pull the plug but be but since i've had this podcast i'm getting such a different perspective which is what you're giving right now is you know what work it takes work and i've always heard like if your relationship if you're not like fighting or arguing it's not working <laughs> when you're fighting arguing means it's actually working Right. And I, and I think there's a, a way to fight and argue where yeah. you show each other respect and that you can continue to, to grow and evolve through those, you know, disagreements or fights or arguments, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and again, I feel weird giving, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, know, give me your, uh, my, my relationship <laughs> advice, but I, you know, we, we talked about it in yeah. the, in the beginning, we, we, we both have officiated weddings. So I feel like as an officiant, you know, I'm a full fledged reverend <laughs> right. over here that I can, I can give a little bit of advice. A little. I, yeah. Cause how's your current marriage going? It's going great, right? Yeah. yeah currently, uh, not unmarried. So yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I don't mean currently uh, divorced. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to laugh, but it just the, the way that you're putting that is hilarious. Yeah. Well, I would say work through stuff and I was like the first guy to raise my hand and say, I'm, I'm out of here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. See, we learn from our, we do uh, yeah and age age gives you a different perspective right I, I think you have a different i would hope i have a different perspective at 42 than i did at 21 right oh, yeah. It, yeah you want to keep the good and kind of get the bad out or, you know, just a little bit just a little bit okay yeah. so now let's we're, i'm going back again because i can't get over this uh this all boys uh catholic <laughs> school because because i was a i was a terrible student um i i loved sports I, I didn't like coaches i didn't like teachers i just had a problem with authority but my mom didn't throw me into all boys catholic school so give me what what Call was so thinker. what was so bad <laughs> what was so bad Give me one. I'm trying to get one incident out of you. Well, I'm, tell me is, what, what are what are statue of limitations? <laughs> so, no, uh, I I think you know there was there was sneaking out. There was uh, there was one incident of, uh, of theft. Okay, um, all right, here we go. Not, not a big one, but I mean, you're eight, eighth grade. And, I mean, you know, I stole everything. Yeah, what, I did. This? I did one time. I, I stole everything. Bro. I did one time. I was I was scared shitless of my father. I, I, yeah, it was like five foot eight. 150 pounds soaking wet and i'm yeah. scared he, like just his attitude and energy was, yeah he, yeah I, I, he he in, instilled the the fear of of god and yeah and, and so and then it just and then he said well if i'm going to be the instill the fear of god i'm going to send you to uh, all boys catholic so you learn what god is and then you can make your own decisions from there so 
but yeah, there was there was some trouble. I think it was I was chasing girls a lot. Yeah, I started yeah. getting to the age where I was running around chasing girls, and they, you know they were calling, and my mom didn't like that. She was <laughs> she was like, your your focus is all over the place. And so while I thought being well rounded meant fun, 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 yeah. fun, little bit of work, she was like, I want you to just change the percentages a little bit, and I think some discipline uh, will help. Some structure will help, yeah. and and ultimately they were right. I think. You know, kids were, were at 12 or 14 or whatever it is. I think you're 14 when you're going into high school, yeah. and then 15 is going to be your first year. So you you think you know, but you yeah. need you need a parent to be like, no, you you don't know. You got to yeah. go do this, and and yeah. and I'm not I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. You know, there's yeah. That that's the thing is because my daughter's now almost 12, and she already knows everything. She knows everything. No, 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 dad. No, no. Like already, bro. Yeah. This is the way it goes. Yeah. And yeah. now we're having a guy to no, 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 no. So this is I'm there. I'm in the thick of things. Yeah, I bet. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm I currently have no kids, but I do want kids. That's when that's the next stage of my the life. The next phase. The next phase. Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, I've I've actually kind of thought about this um, strategically. Is I had to check certain boxes off uh, for myself to yeah. have this inner inner level of uh, happiness and, and fulfillment. And it was a lot of it was was based on my career. And that doesn't make it right or wrong. Just right. that just happened to be for me. What was important was going through some of the ups and downs and then landing on some level of success that I was comfortable with myself mm. to be able to to have the maturity and the the time and energy to give to a relationship and to kids. And so that that phase for me is just starting. So I'm starting late, but um and like I got married the first time because I was like, Well, I'm a CEO, all other CEOs are married. Mm found a girl who is is you know she likes my friends and family she's nice but our chemistry and our relationship wasn't what i believe and in, in what she believed a marriage was and so we we ended amicably it's funny like we just got to a certain point and just said you know let's just end this and, and be friends yeah. we're, we're friends actually like you <laughs> said roommates and yeah. friends and stuff like that and so we're we're still friends to this day and we're much better um, in that stage, especially in our lives now, than than we were and as a, as a couple. What age did you uh, did you originally get married? I got married at tw- we were together. For, I was twenty four. We got married at twenty eight, and then I got divorced at thirty six. Twenty. Okay. So got we got. It. I mean, we gave it twelve years. It was just wasn't, wow. Yeah, was, that's quite a long time. It was a long time. Yeah. Um, all right. So now you're jumping ahead again on me. Yeah. Let's go back to the all boys Catholic school. <laughs> Tell me how you made it through. How did you? You make know, it I hated it. My, my I hated everyone, it. <laughs> everyone, everyone knew each other. I was, I was from public school. I was far away. Everybody all came. How, from, how far away did you live? I was about 35, 40 minutes away. So you had to drive that every day. Yeah, I got. Well, I was getting dropped off, and then ultimately got my license, and then was. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Was was driving it. Um, everybody knew each other. So the first year was 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 challenging. I hated it. I didn't want. I didn't. I didn't go in with open arms. I was going to fight this thing. Oh yeah. Um, I had never played football before. And oh really? And yeah. My my freshman year was my first time that I. My my mom was. She was interested. She was. She was well ahead of the curve. She's a. She's got a medical background, but she said, "I don't believe your brain is fully developed. I'm not going to have you, you know, running around yeah. knocking people out. You're you're. I was aggressive by nature as a kid, and yeah. I would, you know, run over anything. And so I don't think she felt comfortable mm. enough with having me go play organized football. So played everything else, and then I, finally I said, "Now I said you're going to send me here. Well, I'm playing football. Ah. That was." That was actually you start building friendships and relationships through sports, and and after I started playing sports and, and was decent at it, started to create a, a friend group, 
and, and honestly, now that I look back on it, being at an all boys is actually an advantage, right? You can you can date from any school. You don't have the that's true. You don't have the kimchi. I was wearing I was wearing <clears throat> mesh shorts and a t shirt and flip flops every day, so you don't have to get dressed. And then I can date, you know, in any of the you know fifty different schools within a twenty mile radius. I mean, fifty different schools. Okay, well we counted. So. We counted. No, uh, but it was it was great. <laughs> Actually, like I said, changed my life. Wow, that's a good point right there. So for guys that you think it's like a, a, a sentence that you're having to go to all boys, it's actually a good thing. It's a great thing, yeah. It's a great thing, because so then you got the pick of the the litter, so to speak, from all the other... Well, I was already stuck, right? Like, there was no... I, I, I couldn't just go and roll at another school, so I knew I had to make the best of a situation. So playing sports and then figuring out at a young age, well... There's, there's got to be some positives here that I can yeah. kind of suck out of this. Let's thing. find the positive. Find yeah, yeah, that's exactly All right, that. so what sports prior to high school were you doing? Every okay. baseball? Okay, well, I'll tell you all, all the traditional ones, but I'll tell you the the kind of the off ones that are random, but they did have a weird impact. They did gymnastics. Gymnastics? Yeah, actually, no when, I was, when I was 12 years old, or no, 10, was I 10, 8 or 10, they, uh, the Olymp, uh, Olympic coaches came and, and evaluated me and wanted me to move – I can't remember if it was Europe or somewhere back east, and and train full time no uh, to be an Olympian, and, and we just said no, that's that that's not the path. Uh, but that was so I, I did that at a young age. My sister was in dance, so you so, doing flips and everything, and yeah, flips, and I did everything in, in gymnastics. And then wow. my my sister was a uh, she was in dance, and and my mom and dad were just trying to get rid of us, right, as much as possible. Don't so tell they, me you went to dance. I, so I went to dance. Get out of here. Awful. I went. I actually went to. Uh, to, I did. I had to do singing with her too. Oh. This was great. So they put me in a in a singing class. I'll never forget. It was Sun, Sunshine Singers, <laughs> and uh, and I was in this group. There's probably about twenty of us, and I was like, well, and I'm like that. I'm. I was at a young age. I was an alpha. I'm like, well, I want a solo, right? Oh, Everyone no. else, all 19 people had a solo. Well, I was going through puberty at the time. Oh, jeez. And the teacher was. She just looked at me and said, I, I can't. Like for your for your confidence, for the sake of everyone in this whole arena, I'm not giving you your own like solo. So I just had to sit in the back, and I was like, "This is awful." But yeah, so I did. That didn't really have much on my on my football or good or for career. her. Good for her not to yeah acquiesce. Yeah, to give in to this kid. Um, I did, so what else did I do? I did soccer. I did. Fly. So wait, 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 wait. You're not brushing over dance, God. I and I, I twisted your cap there for you. you. You're not brushing over dance. You need to give me some context on the dance thing here. What? Yeah, no, another one. I think it what was kind of dance. I mean, uh, the 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 singing in ballet. The, yeah, it was. It, I don't. Whatever. She. My sister was probably twelve at the time, so I was probably thirteen, and I don't even know how to describe what <laughs> dance is. I just. I'm not in a in a tutu, or or what. I, don't I even, would hope not. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm just. You wouldn't have gotten into the boys' school. Yeah, so at the time, again, I'm just trying to find, well, there's just a bunch of girls walking around. I guess I could just make the best of this, yeah. too. But, yeah, I think all of those things. I don't think my mom and my dad were, like, strategically, like, we're going to put them in these weird situations and see how he responds. I think they were just like, I need two hours without these fucking kids. You know, like, we need a little break. And so we're just going to send him to all the stuff that your sister does. So anyway, but it was, do you remember doing any dance? What was yeah, it? Yeah, well, I remember. Jazz, hip hop. Some of it was hip hop. Some of it were the ballet. You know how guys like they—they're not in. If there's dance, there's you know kind of no. Ten, I don't know ten people. <laughs> That's like everyone. That's why knows. I'm asking. That question. <laughs> you know how it is in dance with the guy. No, I don't. <laughs> That's why I'm asking the questions because everybody watching and listening is also wondering. When you said we were going to get into your your backstory, I, I didn't know we were going to veer down. 
my, you, my, you and a tutu doing ballet. I know. God. We're going to edit this out. <laughs> it's gonna, <laughs> full editing. All, all your clients are going to just, just, just. I just lost just, 50% yeah. of my clients. Yeah, and, I, and I actually don't blame them. Actually, we're, we're bringing up some stuff I forgot, kind of forgot about. But yeah, it was, a, I was not like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not the star of the show. I'm kind of in the background. Like, yeah. People jump on you, and then you just kind of you <laughs> throw them in the air, and, and you're, you're that's cheerleading, like a, bro. That's, was, that's not dance. I, well, you're, you're, they're doing all these choreography. I'm just kind of standing there, like I'm like, almost like a prop. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I did much. Right? They're just, I think they were just like, don't screw it up. So and, there's no choreography. I'm sure there was. I don't know. <laughs> were you doing drugs then? How do you not remember this? <laughs> I hoped we were going to gloss over this part of the story. No, no, no. <laughs> this is the best part, dude. But it was, it was just, you know, because you're doing different things at a young age. You're stretching yeah. and you're in your, in your body, it, it, like gymnastics and this dance stuff. We're just doing different things that most people don't do. It's almost like why, how athletes are doing yoga now, right? Like you're, you're just moving around differently than you are in, in organized sports. Okay. It's just more of a, like a stretching. I'm trying to justify <laughs> like, it. Right? No, yeah. like, <laughs> it's, it's like, keep digging myself a <laughs> deeper hole. All right, we're moving on. What's the next? <laughs> so, hold on. I'm not, I'm not done with this yet. Do you remember doing any choreography? Like, were you just standing there and they were throwing people at you? I don't well, understand you, like, this. Move your arms and then, like, the girls kind of just come around and they're just kind of dancing around you. Like I said, I'm more of a prop. <laughs> How long did you do dance for? Like, one season? I think it was one season. And it, it, it was, like, a lot like my singing career where they were just like, he's good at some stuff. These are not the things he's good at. Yeah. Let's just keep it moving. I think, it, honest to God, I think my parents, because at the end of the season or whatever, you do, like, a sh like shows. Yeah. And I think oh, they God. saw me. And I honestly, I don't remember being embarrassed about it, but I do remember, like, I think they were probably like, this is probably not. Like, <laughs> I know we want our two hours of us time, but this is it's not mean, worth it. This is not worth it. This guy's not succeeding at this. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're putting our son in a very bad position. Very bad position. Yeah. Yeah. And here we this are could, talking about it. This could ruin five years later. Clearly, he hasn't healed from it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because when you can't talk about something, that means you're not healed from it yet. Well, I just don't remember. So I think <laughs> one of the things I do is compartmentalize. And this one is clearly where I've yeah. just blocked the We're whole digging thing it up. Yeah, you're digging it. You go right to the heart, don't yeah. you? We're only 20 minutes into this yeah. thing. Yeah, and you because you, you literally don't even remember anything. I don't remember anything. You completely yeah. compartmentalize this. Completely, yeah. yeah. Or I got hit in the head too many times. Yeah. And just my memory is just shot. I don't want one of those two things. Neither one of them are really good. No. Yeah. Either way, this is so. So do you remember doing a hip hop routine at all? Yeah, I think we did hip hop. I mean, I was in fashion shows at, at, at the all boys school i was doing hip-hop stuff with my sister but it, a lot of it was like like girls dance i mean i i don't think i did it for very long that's probably why i don't remember it it was more of like i remember some of the practices and i was barely involved because i was so terrible right like i was 12 years old i was going through puberty so my voice was cracking and and i was like uninterested in being there so it wasn't yeah. like i was giving my best efforts but but Again, I think because my sister was, you know, kind of drug along through all my sporting stuff, they're yeah. like, oh, we're, we're going to show you what this is like. And so we're going to humble you. We're going to humble you. Yeah. And, and it did. So we got dance. We got gymnastics. We've got, you said soccer, baseball. Baseball, baseball. baseball was my big sport growing yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, but soccer, baseball, flag. Um, and then those other ones. Oh, you played was, flag football. I did play flag. Okay. Yeah. Flag. Yeah. She just didn't want the, the impact. So my first, my first day of, my first day of, uh, of high school football, I walk out and I didn't know how to put pads on. Oh, jeez. Right? And everyone else had pretty much played. I think I was one of the only ones. Of course. Yeah, no one, like, starts in high school. No, and the, and the school was actually, like, a powerhouse, right? They wow. Were, yeah, they were really, really good. 
and, and I show up and all my pads are, are on the wrong way. They're on outside. So I wore it upside down, right? I'd put shoulder pads on without a Jersey. I put, I put the hip pads over my, over my pants and then my knee, my knee pad, the, the pants were yeah. inside out. It's like, yeah. I, like I was so, I was so nervous that I didn't even look around or ask. I was like, I'll figure this shit out. It can't be that hard. I walk out and the coach looks at me and he walks over. He's like, tell me, are you okay? Yeah. I was like, yeah, why? He's like, look around. He's like, no, no one looks like you. He goes, someone's not doing it right. He's like, go back in there and fix it. W- were they laughing at yeah, you? Yeah, they were. Everybody's kind of laughing. Did everybody know this was your first time ever playing? I, you know, it's like within a week of the start of school. So there's yeah. everybody knows each other, and then I'm the kid that walks out with his pads all fucked up, <laughs> and so. You know, luckily I, I ended up being pretty good pretty quickly. I could kind of figure it yeah. out, but I was I was yeah, I was I was laughed at and you know, everybody's kinda of cracking jokes at the beginning, but you know, again, when when I just didn't care. Yeah. I really, really I'm like, oh, this is just a bunch of guys. Like I just don't care. Yeah. You were basically uh, at a very young age, it seems like you were you weren't phased by what people really thought about you. No. Right? No, I I, Which I is think remarkable. You, I think you wanna be like liked and I think you wanna be popular or you know, all these different things, but I wasn't going to let you know, any anything distract me from what I wanted to do, and that I think I think that comes from your upbringing, from your yeah. family, and from you know, from them focusing on your confidence and you know building you up, but not fake building you up. Yeah, right. I'm not a big believer in like celebrating second place or third place and all all these you know trophies that are going out. I'm I don't believe in that, but I do believe in like when you lose, what'd you learn from? We used to talk about losses. We used to talk about how I played every single sport, every single time. Like we were. We were evaluating, and he was always trying to coach me into understanding and appreciating the process of getting better. Yeah, and and that for that I, I was always appreciative. And so, what did your dad say? Like, what was the learning lesson with dance? <laughs> Honestly, God, he he was like, I think he probably argued with my mom, and my mom was like, "This is what's happening. We need this. We need these two hours. Yeah, uh, you know, every couple of days without these fucking kids running around." Yeah. And he he probably was like, I got to pick and choose my battles. And I think after she saw how bad I was, my mom, I think she probably just said, That's, yeah, you were right. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to get this kid out of these dance. Pull the, pl- pull the plug on this one. Yeah. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a huge part of my life, but I'm glad we've spent a couple of minutes. <laughs> I got to call my mom and, and uh, yeah. ask her what the hell she was thinking. <laughs> yeah, mom, I need more of this story. You, you need to, <laughs> we need to, there's, cause he's, there's, there's gaps in the story. A, here, lot, of a yeah, lot of gaps. A lot of gaps. Uh, and I'm going to need you to fill the gaps for me because clearly he's not going to because for some reason magically he forget he's forgetting a lot of the stuff i don't know if that's uh yeah. by choice or yeah <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I'm, I, my whole heart and soul was into uh <laughs> dance lessons with my sister doesn't seem like it all right yeah. as a kid do you remember any moment like of how you're because you just said of how they brought you up with your confidence anything that they specifically the way that they as a child do you remember whether it was 10 years old 12 years old 14 15 whatever that they, how they raised you, that turned you kind of like that you, a lesson that you learned later in life, or you've carried through your whole life. Yeah, it makes two different things. One for my yeah. mom, one for my dad. I remember my mom always wanting to talk about stuff, mm. so she was always wanting to extract not just "Hey, what'd you do today?" but yeah. "What'd you do today?" and then "What what did you think about what you did? What did, what was the impact? Who are you talking to? And, and what type of relationships do you have?" She was always asking deeper questions, mm. and so at a very young age. I had to learn how to express my feelings and so how to talk to people and understand how did that make me feel. And I thought we, we used to have long conversations about it and I didn't know what we were doing at the time, but she was really trying to understand who the person was and see if there were areas in which she needed to, to parent a little bit differently or if there were people in circles or spheres or teachers or coaches that 
she needed to be more involved to make sure that I was being raised the way she wanted to and that they were an extension of what she wanted out of her son. Um, and, and secondly, my dad was really, really positive. Mm. Yeah. And had a, he would tell me, he would sit me down. I remember doing this many, many times and we'd be talking about sports and he goes, son, he goes, you have the ability to be, do something special in this world. I don't know what it is, but you have the ability to do something special and you've been given a gift. He used to say this all the time and I never understood it. He was like, I want you to, to focus on that gift and focus on the impact that you can have in this world. Wow. And he used to say it at a, I was like eight and then 10 and 12, a young age. And I'm, I kept thinking, what? And he, and he used to, you know, he used to show me a lot of love and affection. And I didn't, I didn't really like, I was kind of like an athlete, like, hey, dad, yeah. I don't need this. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. And he's like, no, cause I want you to do that to your son. He goes, I, I, that means a lot to me. I want, I want to tell you you're special because I believe it. I want to help bring out that special in you. And then I want to make sure you feel loved and appreciated and that wow. you have a very solid base from where you you grow up. That's important to me. So for for those two things, for my mom and dad, this is like fundamental things at a really critical age. Those are things that I'm learning, but I have no idea that I'm learning them. Wow. Dude, I'm so glad I asked that question because that is phenomenal. I love this so, because that's this is grown-up stuff. Yeah. Let alone they gave it to you as a kid. Yeah. Like you just said, man, um, positivity, telling you you have a gift, because I'm starting to do that with Jacqueline, my daughter. Like, because she's gifted. I'm like, you are so gifted. You are going to make such a difference someday. Because parents, we need to sow this into our children early. Yeah. Early. Because every kid has a gift. Yes. Every kid. We has all a, do. We all do, right? And so, but, but I think when, when you're young, you hearing it, whether or not you get anything at a young age, but you still start to understand and believe it, and it's it's really impactful. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's bringing out that gift and finding you know helping a kid identify, excuse me, what that gift is, and then telling them you got to tell them you got right. Tell like them. That, there's like this level of like branding and marketing that you're doing for these kids that you just got you have to tell them. It's almost like when you're a CEO, you can't expect you have to go and you have to guide and yes. tell and coach. The kids are, I don't want to say kids are the same way, but in a lot of, in a lot of aspects, that's very similar in how you develop people. Yes. And that's important. And dude, you just said it with, when you're a CEO, <clears throat> and I've always talked about this, I never leave anything unsaid. Yeah. Because you can't just assume that they get it or they're going to do it the right way the first time or whatever. <clears throat> Obviously, <clears throat> you don't want to sit there and micromanage, but you got to tell them. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Well, it's part of what it makes it hard to date an entrepreneur is because I talk a lot and I don't assume anything. And that's so <laughs> that's it's, with, it, in a lot of my relationships, they're like, do we have to talk about fucking everything? Yeah. You know, like can't just some stuff, can't just leave some stuff alone. <laughs> so I'm trying to actually, that's one of the things I really want to work on in, in my personal life is understanding how to manage work and how to manage my relationships a little bit different because I'm yeah. really tough on my work and I'm really tough on relationships. And I think that there's a, uh, some sort of difference that yeah. I need to tweak um, that that is still under uh, it's under research and development at this point. <laughs> it's in the R and D department. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuck there. Stuck. <laughs> yeah. Stuck. It's like a, yeah. It's, you know what's funny is my mom is the same. Like we have to talk about everything, everything. So I still have that. So I have my outlet to talk about literally 
everything and break it down and go from this angle and that angle, right? Cultivate the situation. That's why I'm asking so many questions. This is, this is, it's what I do. Yeah. It's instilled in me because yeah. I need to talk. I, look Did at, you look, learn that at a, at a young age? Were you, I do, don't, were you but, doing, were I don't you doing know. That? Not, not real young, but okay. uh, when I got, uh, as soon as I got to probably high school and older at that okay. point. And then as from my 20s, I've been an interviewer my whole life. Like I interview people when I meet them. When I'm, I'm talking about in bars, clubs, everybody, oh, here comes the interview. Like everybody would say, oh, JD, here comes the, here comes the interview. It's, well, they, there's, there's all kinds of studies about <clears throat> being able to ask good questions yeah. are the people that are the most successful. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, I'll, I'll, I receive that. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but look, look, like, look what we dug out. Had I let you just breeze over to high, we were in high school in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. We would have, we wouldn't, we would have not even known anything about your ballet career. Well, we talked about this uh, off camera. It's, it's articulating certain things in your life and, and I didn't really, I mean, it's not like I drove over here this morning thinking what was the impact of my mom and my dad. But the first thing that, you know, when you say that, yeah. I'm like, shit, these are two, these are huge, fundamental huge. things that have really made an impact in my life that, that, uh, it's fun to talk about, you know, I, yeah. enjoy that. I, I'm really proud of my background. I'm really proud of my family and, and the impact that they've had on me and still the relationships that I have with, with, with all of them is super important to me. Yeah. Because those two things that you just gave right there, what each one did for you is phenomenal. It's crazy. That's not normal. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, especially at that age. It's abnormal, yeah. especially at that age. We, this is stuff that we hear, like I'm hearing it now at age 50 from the church I'm at. Hey, everything's about cultivating the gift that you have and doing good with it. What gift do you have? We want to cultivate your your potential, your gift, and so that you can impact the world in a positive way. So when you're saying that to a kid and ingraining them over and over and over, guess what's going to happen eventually? You're going to own an escrow company. You're going to own uh, commercial buildings. You're going to own a tech company. That's what happens. It's not well, an accident. Well, and I think that that may be a product of doing other things. And what I mean by that is having a positive impact on yeah. people. Like I was doing that at a at a really young age, just with like my energy and positivity, yeah. right? Like yeah. I think training for that and not allowing problems or um you know, kind of issues to, to take the center stage, right? The, things are going to come up, but I remember always we deal with it. We'll figure it out. Like yeah. we'll just keep it moving. Like, and it was always keep it moving, be positive and that kind of level of training at a young age. And that, that carries over. So after sports and we you start growing up, it's just like, those are things that I can control my energy and my enthusiasm. And I want that to permeate yep. with every single person I interact with. That's right. And that, that to me, like there's this, this kind of this ring around you of, and you can affect people in a lot of different ways. And that is what I want to affect is that I want people to feel like, man, he has, that's a high energy individual. He is super positive. I want to be around that more. Yeah, and yeah. that's how, you know, recruiting and attracting people into your life that those are the things that are really important to me. Like when, when you, when people say, Hey, you know, you're you, at some point you're going to pass. Right. And what yeah. is the impact that you have? Like, I want my friends, fan, I want everyone to like, that's what I want. Yeah. That those are like that, having that impact on, on the majority of people that I interact yep. with. Yep. When he came into the room, he, he lit up the room. He changed the environment. He was pas most passionate guy I've ever met. These are things you want people I, to say. I do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, man, really cool. This is why Greg Banner introduced us. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He said, you guys got to meet. Yeah. He's like, dude, you got to meet this guy. <laughs> like, you're like pretty much identical animals. <laughs> All right. So let's keep going here. All right. So let's get through high school here. High school football. Give me a little bit about football. Did you just freaking love it right away? Like just hitting people? Well, I loved, yeah, I loved the physical aspect of it. It was a, it was a uh, kind of a release for some of the aggression that was, it was like, 
legal it was like legalized fighting and <laughs> chaos and i i enjoyed that part of it um i you know was pretty good and then wanted to get better it was like an addiction of uh so the training component of it the physical nature of it this this gladiator where yeah. it just brings out something inside yeah. of you that is uh it's phenomenal yeah I'm, i miss the the aggressive part of it that you it just it gives you a really you find out you you put those pads on. You yes. find out uh, what type of man you are. Y- you do. Yeah, you, you absolutely yeah, do. You can't you can't run from it. Um, it'll tell you things in, in that you didn't know about yourself. Yeah, yeah, you know? I, yeah. Dude, like because <clears throat> it's it's one thing to be playing flag football because my son's playing flag, and but as soon as you put those pads on mm-hmm. and you take a hit or you give a hit. <sighs> Yeah. You can't explain it. And there, I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot more aggressive uh, people than than me. And it wasn't that I wasn't aggressive. I loved to hit, and I was aggressive. But there were people that that was their game, and I wanted my game to be that, but also with some finesse and some speed. And I wanted to. I wanted both. It was, I wanted a well rounded. Yeah, well, uh, the yeah, well rounded thing. There again. you go. So, uh, but yeah, I, I loved. I love sports. I, lo- I loved football. My, my I grew up. My whole family uh, was huge football 49er fans, and so grew up watching football. I, I was born in seventy nine, dating myself a little bit, but born. And then the Niners won the Super Bowl in eighty one, and then they won That's it again right. in like I think it was eighty four and eighty nine. I mean, they they were just really they good. They were dominating. Yeah. So I grew up watching you know this this dynasty, which was which was awesome. And Montana. So, yeah, right. Steve, Montana, Steve Young. Steve, yeah, it was, yep. it was amazing. So, um, okay. So, w- at what point did they did you hone in on a position? Like, did they know you were aggressive? So they put you at like a d- defensive back, linebacker, like, yeah, safety. Yeah, I was a corner receiver. Um, and and was probably a better corner, but I liked re- I liked receiver. I liked to score touchdowns. Yeah. I, I have no, nobody cares about a cornerback. So, right. offense was always important to me, and that became um, important when I was picking a picking a college. Okay, so you went. You you got drafted to college. Yeah, yeah I got. A, I got. A, so my dad. My dad made a bet with me when I was young, um, and he said, "You can, you can't get a college scholarship." And I said, "I'll bet you." So we bet a car. Um, and and so, so what? What age did you did did you do the bet? Like I, I did the bet when I was a sophomore. Yeah. So I got pulled up, and and I said, "I, I think I could do something with this." And so I made a bet with him, and we so we talked about it all the time. And I don't know if he did this on purpose, but. Um, <laughs> It was always, I think he was always trying to put what that next goal was in front of me. And this, mm. and this is a way where he could do that. And so, um, I finally started getting a ton of attention from colleges and letters and calls. And I think he was just as excited. He's a huge football fan. So he was, he was answering the phone, talking to college coaches around the country. And he was just, you know, he's kind of fanboying out. Like I'm watching these guys on TV on Saturdays and they're calling wanting to talk to my son. And and I felt proud. I felt proud that he was so excited, and I really enjoyed that part of the recruiting process. Um, so we, when you're a junior, you start really getting recruited because you make your decision usually after yeah. your after your uh, uh, senior year. Um, for me, I was kind of getting looked at by all the Pac-12, everything, everybody good on the West Coast. I was kind of getting a look at. Yeah. But my last game of my senior year, I tore my ACL. You're kidding me! And it was the first time that I'd really gone through adversity. This is your, yeah, I finally find my groove my senior year. I mean, by my senior year, I'm, I'm, I have all of my closest friends. I, I love all boys Catholic school at this point. Yeah. Everybody's told you how great you are. I'm, I'm, you know, city player of the year, all everybody in the newspaper on the news. I mean, you're, you're just, you're invincible. And I have offers from everywhere I want to go. I'm now I'm, I'm, 
two weeks away from going on five you get five recruiting trips i'm going to arizona i'm going to washington i'm going to oregon i'm I'm going to all of these cool schools that you know tell me they really want me i tear my acl every one of them pulls out wow they all say we can't give you a scholarship you have to rehab and you've got to walk on so not only are my scholarships pulled all my trips are pulled and now i'm left with all of these I mean, I hate to say it because I'm such a fan, but all of these low-level schools that are, you know, they're just not, they don't have good tradition. They don't have a, they don't have a, a good football program. Right. They're just, yeah. you know, all of these different things. I, I, I was devastated. I, I'm, I remember that day when they told me that was the first time I'd really cried in my life. I was 18 years old and I was, I'd been at the top of the world or what I felt was yeah. never really gone through anything, any level of adversity. And then this one was like, I, I thought I had my life. I literally thought... I'm going to go to University of Arizona. I'm going to marry the girl. I already had the profile of the girl I was going to marry. I'm going to have four kids and I'm going to be in business. That was, I'm going to play football, marry, business, this. It's already been pre, I had already said it in my mind. Wow. Yeah. And so this was, uh, this changed everything. It was my first time where it's like, that's not what's going to happen. And, and so what, how did you react to this? What was the first thing you, and what did your dad do? What did your mom do? What, what, how were they? Well, they were they were super positive. They were like, you know what? These things happen. He's like, you get yourself up. But I remember being pretty devastated for about a week um, and just felt like, you know, you're 18 years old. You yeah. don't really know yeah. how to process things, especially when you really are hit with adversity for the first time or what you think is adversity, right? Yeah. You're right. You're like 18 years old. You're like, my life is over. It's like, no, kid, you're, you're going to get a call. You know, you're going to be fine. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. But at the time, you're just... You're wrapped up in this level of emotion, and you think you have your life planned out. So, um, they were super positive. I think they were a little bit worried. They're like, "Shit, do we have to pay for college now? Like, right. we've just gotten done paying for high school. Like, we were pretty yeah. much under the assumption yeah. you're 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 going to have college paid for." Uh, but I did have, I had several uh, smaller school offers, and and then ended up landing uh, locally at San Jose State because my mom and dad were getting a divorce, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be present. Uh, through that process, even though my sister would say, what do you mean? You, you, weren't, you weren't present. You were stuck in your own little bubble, in your own little world. You had no idea what was going on, but that's another story. That's another story. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like to say I was present, but she she would argue that, you, you know, at 18, 19, and 20 years old, you were, uh, you know, you're kind yeah. of a meathead football player who was, you know, you were around, but you weren't really there. And so on that note, when did when did your parents first tell you that you're, they're going to get divorced? It was ominously right around the same time that I that I had ended up tearing up my knee. Really? Yeah. I, within days. I can't remember before no or after, so, but right around that time. So my parents are getting divorced. And by the way, I had no idea. My sister would tell you, oh, well, I knew four or five years ago. You're just kind of in your own little world. You, you know, 14, 15, 16, yeah. 17, you're, all, you're just kind of selfishly looking at, you know, what's right in front of you versus what's kind of around because you just don't have the, you don't have the awareness. You don't have the, the you know, kind of the experience to, to look around. You're just kind of looking straight ahead. Yeah. And my sister's a lot more um, intuitive and has a lot more empathy and kind of understands feelings and people a lot better than I do. So she knew what was going on, but I had no clue. So I was kind of blindsided by that. I tear up my knee. All my college career looks like it's kind of in shambles. And so I'm just kind of picking up the pieces at 18, trying to figure out what, what I'm going to do with myself. And so decide... I, I, I do want to say this. So I ended up making the decision to stay local. Yeah. One of the other things was San Jose State really wanted me. They they had recruited me for the whole time. I was a local kid. I knew all of the coaches because they were so close. 
they they stayed in touch. They always came to see me. So they always kind of stayed around. Then when I tore up my knee, I remember them coming. All the coaches came to the hospital, and they all stayed there for like an hour to talk to me. And they knew I was pretty beat up about it. Yeah. And going somewhere where someone or something or some group really believe in you and they really want you means a lot. Like surrounding yourself with people uh, that truly care and want you is a, like your community is really important. Who you surround yourself with in your community. Like I didn't know it at the time, but that devastating knee blow put me in a position mm. to go somewhere where it wasn't like university of Arizona quote unquote wanted me, but San Jose state loved me, right? Arizona liked me. San Jose loved me. And I went where I was loved and that love just was able to continue to grow. And I became a much better football player and person. Um, and, and am extremely grateful for that experience. Wow. Dude, that's huge because this is what life is all about yeah. is who you're surrounding yourself with and community. And when you can find a community that truly loves you, cares about you and genuinely wants you to succeed and is rooting you on, this is huge. And a person too, right? You're, you're a significant other. You want to find the same yes. state. You don't want to find the Arizona, right? Correct. The, the Arizona, they, they, you know, they can want your, your money, or right? Your something that you can do for them but your your san jose state just is true unconditional love wow dude that's huge because yeah. and, and i'm sure your dad instilling nothing but positivity saying hey this happens it is what it is it happened for a reason was you big on that like saying hey things happen for a reason totally yeah. totally because look what happened that's crazy all right there's, so yeah there's some reason right yes. he, like i said he wasn't super religious um he, I don't know if he had any re religion uh, as a backing, but he just said this: things happen for a reason. You're going to stay positive. We're going to figure this out. It was just okay. What's next, right? Like just looking at it, like yeah. one step and one step at a time. We'll figure this out. There's always a solution. Those things at a young age, you start in, ingraining your kids with this idea of problems versus solutions. I yes. think is, is is massive. Massive. Yeah, it's so important. You can retrain your brain too. So if you if anyone's older. You can, if you just are aware and start to start to make conscious decisions of thinking of what, how am I going to fix this and how am I going to solve this versus yeah. getting stuck on problems, you can start to really re recharge and, and kind of rewire your brain. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. I think that has a huge impact. Absolutely. And, and one of the, and again, we'll go back to the, this thing. The most important thing is who you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah. Cause you're automatically going to become who you hang around after a while. Right. It's true. And if you're around people like you that are passionate, that are always finding solutions instead of focusing on the problem that are positive, moving forward, passionate, eventually guess what? You become that type of a person. It's, in, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Wow. What a great, what a great uh, story that you got there. So, okay, so give me your football career at San Jose. Give me a little bit, a couple more stories about that, like how it went right away. Like how how long did the rehab take? Were you yeah, able to start you know, the next season? It, it's funny. I was supposed to redshirt my first year. I get a call. I was, I was playing beer pong because I thought I was going to redshirt, and I was getting ready for college. I, play, I was playing beer pong. The head coach calls me. It was like it was like ten a.m. on a like a Saturday oh, morning. I know, right? I'm so proud of my parents. Here we go. So. He calls me at 10 a.m. and I look down. I'm like, oh, shit, Coach Baldwin's calling. So I kind of scurry outside and I answer the phone. I'm like, hey, Coach, how you doing? I'm all excited. He's like, oh, man, you got a lot of energy this morning. I'm like, yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> He's like, hey, just wanted to let you know, uh, how's your knee feeling? I said, it's really good, Coach. I'm re doing really good. Actually, I'm rehabbing right now, moving around a little yeah, bit, yeah, doing yeah. some agility drills. <laughs> 
He's like, great. He goes, I think you have a chance to start this year. He goes, I want you to come in and start coming in every single day. We're, we're like maybe three weeks before camp. So, I, so then I'm like, start? You know, I just tore my ACL like six six months ago. Yeah. Um, ended up not starting right away. First first time I touch a football was our first game against uh, Stanford. I ended up returning an onside kick um, the first time I touch a ball. One of the guys gets an hurt. Onside kick. It was a, it was a great story. It was my my it was I was probably in college for about four days. We play Stanford on the first Saturday, and they're huge favorites. I think they're favored by like thirty points, and we're up by ten points. And one of the guys on the onside team gets hurt. Coach turns around. He's like looking, and here I am. I haven't played one play in the game. My my this uniform. Is first game. My our first game. I'm com- my my uniform's completely clean. I looked great. Yeah. So he throws LeBlanc. Get in there. And I'm not kidding. Uh, his name was Tyrone Willingham. Was a coach at Stanford. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait wait. Because an onside kick is not an, a normal thing. No, it's not. So you get all. It the, never happens. No, but I mean, honestly, it happens maybe, I think probably four times in my entire San Jose yes, career. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Rare, it's a yeah. very rare thing. So Onside is when you kick it just 10 yards to try to recover it yourself so you can get the ball back. That's correct. Right. And the, and so what happens is that they, they move all guys to one side and they're yep. just yep. all going to kind of steamroll you. That's right. Hoping that you drop, drop a ball and they can recover it. So they move, once they see me come in the game, the head coach of Stanford looks and he goes, "Hey, kick it to number eight. Kick it to number eight. That was my that was my number at the time. And so the entire team shifts, and now there's ten guys, Stanford guys, right in front of me. They're they're twenty yards away, right? Yeah. And they kick it, and you know, you know, better to be lucky than good, right? The ball kind of takes a nice hop. I see it, I catch it with my hands. I look up and I don't see anybody, or see like I see kind of a, a sea of ray, but I see an opening." You're just supposed to fall on it, game Correct. over. Done. Game's right? over. Get down. But, you know, as a showman, you want to have some fun. Like there's, you know, there's 60,000 people in the stands and grab the ball and shoot and take a beeline and, and score a touchdown. The entire San Jose State uh, 100 people come and, and dogpile. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, and it was on the front page of the paper Shut and up. all the whole thing. Yeah, so so it's fun. <laughs> but at first, the coach was like, no, no. Don't. <laughs> Get down. That's right. Because so God forbid you fumble, they recover. That's right. So that was my 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 first play. My second game, I end up uh, starting. This is still my fr- my freshman year. This is funny. Guy by the name of Brian Erlock. This is game two. This is game two. Brian Erlock. Remember Brian Erlock? Of Urlacher? course. So he used to play free safety for University of New Mexico. Oh, my God. We're, t- we're telling stories here, but this is a kind of a funny one. So he was playing free safety. Now I'm starting. At oh, what? Re- receiver? Receiver, yeah, slot receiver. So the whole week we're watching film of this guy. He's he's he plays, a maniac. He's he plays a middle linebacker, free safety, yeah. like running back. I mean, quarterback. He kicks kickoff return. This guy was. He's, I mean, he's a middle he was linebacker. one of the best linebackers in NFL history. Yeah, and he was when he was playing at University of New Mexico. He was even better. I mean, obviously just yeah, because he was playing a bunk's boys. Uh, absolutely. This I've never seen anything like him. Right, and so <laughs> this is my second game, and I'm going. This guy, he he's going to be the one kind of guarding. Oh my gosh. So anyways, they call a slant, which is oh, a, no. a play over the middle. Ooh. And the quarterback throws high, oh, and I'm Lord. so stupid. Right? You, went, I'm you like, tried to get it. Well, of course. I'm, this is my first time in a college game. And he comes over, and he decapitates me. I am not kidding you. I mean, just I end up flipping a complete 180 upside down, landing on my head. Honestly, God, just face planted in the dirt, right? And 
I've always been taught get up, just yeah, get yeah. up. So I get up, and I am seeing. I mean, I'm seeing stars. I can't see anything. I run to the wrong sideline. So now the coaches on the other sideline are just kind of like, "Hey, dude, no, this, you got to go the other way." So I go the other way. Now again, I've only played w- like one play in my college career. So this right? is game two. This is game two. I don't make it all the way to the San Jose State sideline. I end up face planting on the 50 yard line, but with no hands. You got to imagine. I end up almost <laughs> like tackling the 50 yard line with my head. So I'm so. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting choked up over here. I'm so nervous. Um, so I end up face planting head first in a pile, and I just sit there. Oh, my God. I just sit there. I finally kind of piece myself together and run to the sidelines, right? And they're like, all right, you're out of the game. You've got a concussion. Like They, they pull my helmet. Ten minutes go by. They call the first team offense out. What do I do? Well, yeah. I run out onto the field just as, as in my I'm up. Yeah. Well, I don't have a helmet. Oh my god! So not only do I get a concussion, not only do I fall head first on the fifty yard line. Now I'm in the middle of the field without a helmet. Without a helmet. <laughs> I mean, this is you know. So, <laughs> so talk about making a name for yourself as an eighteen year old in uh, college football. For my first game, you're you're a hero. Second game is this guy like is he okay to play college football? Anymore? Oh my god! Yeah, you so gotta be kidding that's me. How my career started. So when you're out there without the helmet, they look like, bro. What are you doing? Oh, everyone's in. We're in the huddle, right? And they're like. The uh, case, you okay? I'm like, yeah. Let's go. What's the play? <laughs> <What's> the play? <laughs> like, uh, cross-eyed. I'm, you know, I'm looking around. I still got stars, kind of like bubbling it's, up. Everyone. So what they say, bro? You you, you got to yeah, get a helmet. That's exactly. No, you got to get out. You yeah. can't play. <laughs> you can't You're play. looking at us cross-eyed. <laughs> so, so the refs come over and kind of shuffle me back to the sideline, and that was that was my last play of that game. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So did you play again? Yeah, no, you just you're you're out for the rest of the game, and and then you you know you play again. I had you know I played well my my freshman year and played all four years. I was oh I was gosh. a I was a captain. I can't believe you got decapitated by Brian Urlacher. Yeah, yeah, that's he, a hell of a story right there. Yeah, he crushed me. It was, it was good. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, it's, and then you know I was a captain my junior and senior year. That that has only happened I think eight times at San Jose State in the. Hundred years they've been playing football, and that was a that was a really important. Deal you mean as a me. junior, like as a junior, as a junior, yeah, wow. junior and senior year. So that was important to me. Um, yeah, and and had an amazing experience at a at a at a you know kind of a lower level school. Yeah, wow. All right, so give me give me your number one playing football, San Jose State, or in college altogether at that 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 college. Give me give me something uh, that, that was a, like like the way that your parents had that impact on you, the way the impact you had of of what happens for a reason with the, with the torn ACL because it sent you to a school that truly loved you in that school. Now give me a, an impacting moment or in football or whatever. So th- there's a lot of times like within games that were, there was impactful plays and yeah. this and that, but I, I it's this idea of like being named a captain as, a, as I was named a captain as a sophomore. after my last game as a sophomore, we come in after just getting beat. We had a really terrible year. And we're in in um, in a in a in a room. And it's almost like a classroom. And the coach asked me to stand up. And you know, I'm just you're just you're kind of you're beaten down. You just lose. And there's this physical and emotional drain when you lose. And he says, Casey, he goes, I want you to stand up. So I stand up. And he goes, You like this feeling? No. He goes, Are you prepared to do anything about this? And I said, Yeah, I'll do whatever it takes. I go, I, I fucking hate losing. He goes, 
I'm going to name you a, I've never done, no one's ever done this before. I'm naming you a captain today. He goes, you're a leader of men. He goes, and I need you to lead everyone in this room to never do this again. He goes, you can't have another season like this. This was at the last game. The last game of my sophomore year. Sophomore so we, year. We not even, nothing, we, we didn't even know who the, the team was going to be next year. And he names me a captain as wow. a, like a 19 year old. And it was the first time someone of power that I respected other than my dad, you know, but yeah. someone saying, you're a leader, you need to start acting and developing people uh, to make a group better. Like you focus on you because that's what, you know, you're kind of trained to do. I'm going to lift weights for myself. I'm going to learn my plays. And, and it was the first time where it was like, expand your purview and your view of what's going on in the world. And you can make an impact on another hundred people and get us to play as a team and not a bunch of individuals that care about stats or yeah. what, what you're squatting or how fast you're going to run or playing in the NFL. It's like, no, we're going to win and we're only going to win if the people within the team, some people got to get it and you've got to influence others to get it. And that's a, that was a moment in time. And I remember thinking it at the time, like, wow, this is a big fucking deal and you better do something with it. You've been given an opportunity. And that was like, it wasn't any one play. It was that moment. I remember being yeah. in that room where I feel emotionally and physically beaten. And somebody said, it's right now that you have to make a decision on what you want to do with your life and how you want to lead others as part of your life. Wow. I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> that was killer, dude. Thanks. I love it. So that's a moment that was a, a switch for you in your life, would you say, with your confidence, who you are, what you were meant to be? I think I had I think I had a lot of confidence in, in myself and yeah. what I was doing. I think it was more of how can you make a bigger impact, not just focused on yourself. Yeah. There's there's something greater going on if you can get other people to perform at a higher level for themselves. And then when you all start rowing the boat in the same direction, you're gonna be have a bigger impact. And it was I, I would I'm venturing to say I was I was I was good, I wasn't great, but I was probably because of this idea of being able to get people to believe and start working in the same, uh, in the, I guess with the same level of mentality, just yeah. this, this kind of this craziness of, of moving and doing something, uh, you know, viciously, but, but with a purpose. And that's what was lacking. It was that coaches are talking yeah, to us, right. but if we're not talking to ourselves, you know, and getting some leadership within this group of, of men, these alpha males, getting us to believe in each other, these coaches are just talking at us. And yeah. so that's, that's what he did uh, for me at that point. And that was a huge impact. There's only so much a coach can do at that point. Cause you got to have guys step up within the organization, right? That's right. And so would you say that, that the, the, what you, what the coach saw in you was a direct, um, uh, thing of what your dad and mom instilled in you earlier? Well, think, I, yeah, would, I think so. It all carry through. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's a good way to put it. I think that there's this level of training that goes into it. Yeah. And they saw, you know, at some point, someone has to believe in you and give you a chance and, and tell you, you know, kind of a, someone in, in a position of power tells you, like, you get this opportunity or you get this job or, you know, you're, you're going to be put in this leadership position and then uh, you got to go out and do it. You got to, you have to, you have to walk the, the, the walk and you got to talk the talk and you've got to um, lead in a way that's authentic to you. Right? Yes, different yeah, leaders yeah. Uh, can lead in different ways. There's quiet leaders, there's loud leaders, there's talkers, there's there's walkers. There's all kinds of different leadership right. levels. Um, and I'm going to ask you a question because I'm curious. On I, I, I am fascinated by leadership. Yeah. Um, and I have my belief, but I want to get yours first. Is Do you believe leadership is learned or uh, is, is leadership 
Is it is it God given? Is it is it is it you know? Do you have this when you you know you you're you're birthed, or can you learn it? Like what? Where where's leadership land with you? It's really, of course, great. It's the million dollar question. I'm um, fascinated by everything. I think it's it. I think it's more learned than given or born. Right, born or given? Was it born or earned? Yes, or learned, whatever. I think it's more learned along the way than it is that you're born with it. I believe we're all born with a gift. But when it comes to leadership, because I remember as a kid, man, I was so shy. I wasn't a leader of anything or anybody at all. I was shy. I was, but it was one moment that my confidence, I gained confidence. And then as I got older, but then as soon as I went into boot camp at the age of 18, I went to military. Um, yeah, that's what my parents did. My mom did. You know, See, right? I was, wasn't a Catholic school. They, they, I needed a little bit more than that. I needed the military. <laughs> I needed a, so anyway, uh, when the drill instructor made me a section leader, I was 18 years old, and he made me a leader. Because uh, in, a, in, a, in a boot camp company, you have an overall leader, and then you have leaders with like six different, they call them section leaders. So then you lead about 10 guys that you've never met before. So that's when I, right there, that moment for 18 years old, I was like, wow, they saw me as a leader. Yeah, that's amazing. And that from that point, I took, like you just said, then I, it was, oh, I just got goosebumps because I just, it's almost a very similar situation here. Well, thank you for your service. That's, a, that's incredible. Yeah, of course. That's a, Absolutely. Sacrifice Absolutely. That. But that uh, is a, that's a great story because I yeah. think, I agree. I said, I thought to myself, I've got guys that are 30 years old in my boot camp company. I'm 18. I have to lead them now. I've been given this. He believed my, this instructor believed in me, like your coach. What am I going to do with it? Right. So I took it seriously. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think it's more. I think leadership is more learned along the way than it is given. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I, I think I was probably a, a born leader, but I think I've learned um, how to truly lead because I've paid attention and, and it's important to me. Um, but I would say anyone can actually lead if if uh, if given the opportunity and they take the time to understand it. And so on that note, let's go further with this, Casey. How do you how do you get to a point like if you're in life because most people right now the very very large percentage I think it's like ninety seven percent of people are just going through the motions in life they're living paycheck to paycheck they're struggling financial that's just the way our system is set up I always talk about it like the name of this podcast is we were all born to win but I always talk about how we're all programmed to lose yeah right yeah. we're all programmed to be in the rat race basically yep but it's would you say that it's very safe to say that the leaders are the ones that live that above average lifestyle for the most part I I believe so yeah. And then how do you, if you're right now one of the people that are stuck in the rat race, you don't know how to get out, and you want to be seen as a leader, you want to become a leader, what's the first, like, you have to have a, a, a drive and ambition that somebody sees something in you first, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's almost like the, the idea of a, a mask in an airplane, right? When the mask comes down, mm-hmm. you take care of yourself first. Yeah. And I think... In, a, in, in, in regards to the question that you're asking, I think people need to take care of themselves first and they need to get themselves right before they start thinking of leading other people because leadership that's authentic resonates. Leadership where someone just wants to be a leader or they have a title of a manager, that doesn't work. People don't follow titles, mm-hmm. they follow people. And so when I talk about understanding yourself and getting yourself right, when you talk about these the 97% that are stuck in the rat race, well, a lot of reason why I believe people are stuck is because they're stuck themselves, meaning yeah. they don't do anything different, right? There's small, subtle changes and tweaks to your your schedule, your health, that can make a huge impact. You know, kind of the power of habit, um, the discipline of, of good habit, of tweaking habit. You know, I, I have a, 
I have this idea of kind of my life algorithm, right? There's there's all these data points that are constantly being put into my database, which is yeah. which is my brain, and then constantly being aware of what's working and what's not, and then tweaking, not massive changes, not going on a, a you know a, a ten day a cleanse where I'm not eating. You know, I'm not going to do that. I don't think that's sustainable. But I'm going to make subtle changes in my diet, and my workout times, and my workout, my 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 diet. You know, every my sleep patterns. You know, we talk yeah. about sleep. I yeah. think all of these things are data points, and it's different for every single person. And I think people that pay attention and can get healthy and can make small subtle changes can start to see better, more impact, and more momentum. But they just don't do anything. You know, they Nothing. get stuck in the mentality of, "Well, I'm W two'd. I'm nine to five. I can't do anything." And there's just so many other ways to look at life and so everyone thinks well i'm in this box i can't get out no you're just choosing to not get out because if you make small daily changes yep. and you do it over a consistent amount of time you can you you'll you'll be out a lot faster than you think it's this idea of well this is the problem i'm only going to focus on the problem and not do anything about it that mentality is what's getting everybody stuck yep and and the, and the saying goes that life is an inside job <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's like what's inside you. Look in the mirror. Make that's when my life turned around. Is when I looked in the mirror and realized I had to make changes. I had to become a different. I was a selfish person, yeah. low twenties. Life's simple pleasures. That's all I cared about. Me, 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 me. And then when I looked in the mirror and made changes and realized that I need to worry about others and make an impact on others. And that's when everything flipped for me. And my wife magically appeared into my life within wow. six months. And so everything, like you just said, bro, is about working on yourself. That's so great, man. Because you're not, you can't help anybody unless you've helped yourself. That that's right. Well, I want to give you a quick shout out because yeah. I do follow you on social media, and I'm just so proud of the the person that you put out on social media in regards to your wife. I think there's so many more people that should be proud of who they're with. And yeah, things are tough and a struggle, but the way that you promote family and life and, and commitment, uh, those things are, they're not talked about enough and they're yeah. not being celebrated enough on social media. And I think you do an amazing job. I, I, I appreciate that about you. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And that's, and that's exactly why we put everything out there. Cause a lot of friends that are you know, we get a lot of kind of hate little thing. Oh, you're putting everything out there. What are you going to show me, brushing your teeth next? I'm like, well, if you want to see it, maybe I will. I'll show you how I brush my teeth. <laughs> you know, you know? I, I wasn't a big believer in, in the beginning on social media. Yeah. And then it, I was fascinated by people actually do wanting to engage and talk. And now I, I, I do it for what I like with it, yeah. with it, which is it's a lot of fun, some personal and a little bit of business mixed in. And so life and business all kind of come together and, and social can be a part of it. It's not... It's not my life entirely, but it's it's enough of it to where I can stay connected and engaged with a lot of different people in a short or a shorter time. So yeah. when you talk about efficiency, that I mean that I I think social media, if if used, you know, for good, can be really good. Well, you, you know, you talk about it a lot. The influence that you're having, the impact that you're making as a human being, as a leader. I mean, you have a, a medium with social media to be able to impact people that you don't even know you're impacting yeah like thousands and thousands of people that you have no idea who you're inspiring with every post that you do everything that you say like the fact that you just said that to me about my family i i you have no idea how much i appreciate that because that's exactly why we show our whole life because we want to show this is our brand we have a family brand that's full of love affection passionate drive ambition and making a difference in the world yeah. that's why it says right on this thing make it happen make a difference make no excuses this is our whole family brand yeah. is what basically what you thrive off of is making an impact and, and inspiring others because stories are going to inspire people more than anything. And most people on social media, Casey, are just talking. Right. 
right? But then if you actually look at their life, it's, it's not, you know, they're not living what they're talking. Yeah. It's those that, that's why my wife and I, we show what we're doing rather yeah. than talk about it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and you're, whatever you're doing, Casey, on social media, we talked about this last time we, yeah. you're, it's your brand. Yeah. Yeah. The Casey well, you're, brand. You're, you're, you're much more advanced in the social side of it. I'm trying to like understand and develop that side of it um, a little bit more, especially as the, the world kind of evolves and turns. Yeah. And, and I, I'm fascinated by how fascinated people are by stuff. Yeah. Like I'd post something and I'm like, who would watch this? You know, yeah. like you talked about, like, do you want to watch me brush my teeth? And be like, probably be a thousand people be like, yeah, yeah kind of. I, I do. Want to know what toothpaste you use? Want to know what time you brush your teeth? Want to yeah. know how that fits into your morning routine and your health, uh, you know, uh, profile? Like it, it is, I'm like, shit, I guess people really do are, you know, kind of want to yeah. see stuff. So yeah, you do a good job with that. <laughs> so, oh, so I don't know about the brushing the teeth. Part, so, but yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. so last night I put up, um, I, I do a slow motion scooter video. Have you seen this where yeah. I'm on a scooter doing slow motion yeah. with music? I just saw it this morning. You saw it? Yeah, scrolling through. <laughs> so in my caption on there was, hey, I, I sincerely apologize to my slow-mo scooter fans because I hadn't posted one in months. Do you know that I'm everywhere I'm going that somebody's brought up the scooter videos? Like, when are you going to do another scooter video? Is that right? Yeah. I'm like, what, you're watching those? Like, yeah, I can't get enough. <laughs> when are you, you haven't posted one in months. When are you going to post a, a scooter video? They think it's hilarious. Yeah. And then I always put a little message on it. That's great. Like, get your attention with the scooter and the music, but then I usually put a little inspirational message below it. Anyway. That's great. It, it, right? Yeah, yeah. You never know. You never know who's never, watching, who you're inspiring. You never know. A scooter no, video. You're absolutely right. But I, I think if you like focus on your core in, in the, the foundation of your life, right? Like if you're a good person, you focus on your positivity, you, you, you are aware of what your energy levels are from both your diet and your sleep. Your activity and your in your in balancing um, movement as part of that. Like if you if those pillars are are in working order, then you start thinking about okay, can I make a better impact? Yes, totally. And that's exactly why I launched the podcast was to make a bigger impact. I can only make so much with me showing my stuff, talking a little bit, but now I can harness uh, my guest voices and your story, your testimony that's now going to inspire countless other people. Not only that, but within your organization, people that kind of think they they thought they knew you, now they're going to get some, now they're going to know that you were ballet a ballet dancer. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing people are going to take away. <laughs> the only th- out of all the inspirational stuff. All the good- I volunteered it. I'm, I'm the problem here. I got no one to I, I had to dig. I had to dig a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. I had to dig. Otherwise, we would have we would have been in high school. We would have went. We wouldn't have heard any of this stuff. Yeah, no, you're right. You're yeah, right. You're good at that. <laughs> all right. So speaking of which, all right, let's get through high school. So you're captain, he names you captain. Anything other monumental that happened before you graduated between junior senior year as a captain? Any moment that you you inspired the team? You were losing something you said, a speech. Like, was there any moment as a leader that stands out to you as to once you were made the leader? That's something you did, something that happened that you were proud of. It. Man, I, wow, I, I, I actually made a difference here. Yeah, I mean, give it to I, me. I, I, I feel like the I like Al Bundy, you know, telling old <laughs> high school and college football stories. But, but I mean, if you're gonna ask, I'm, I'm gonna ask. Yeah, we we ended up being pretty good my junior year. We were uh, we were ranked top twenty five for several weeks, and then we we ended up playing what ended up being the biggest game of my career, which was against uh, TCU Ladanian Tomlinson in San Jose, oh, wow. sold out crowd. On it was on Friday night, and um, we beat them. They were they were the fourth or fifth ranked team in the country at the time, and we beat them. And, and the the crowd comes down and takes down the goalposts, and that never happens in San Jose. And, and I I just kind of remembering being 
wow, we, we, we turned something around. A program that is yeah. perennially bad. Is it perennial? 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 Anyway, yeah. we're just bad. We've been bad for years. Yeah. And just, you know, you win enough games to, to not be the worst team, but you're just never good. And we were finally good, and it felt good to to lead kind yeah. of that change. Because yeah. you're you're t- if if a team or a company or a group of people is typically bad, it's really hard to change that, right? Culture and trying to ch- you know kind of change it. When I talk about like platform and your your foundation, like we I'm in real estate, right? You have to get that right, or everything else is just shimmy and shine. Yeah. Right, that's just, it's just a waste. So you got to talk about your, you know, kind of the health and your mental well-being. All of that stuff has to be right before you start going out and leading. Well, same thing too with a group of people, specifically a football team, is that you got to get your foundation in order, and that's culture-wise can take some time. Yes, you, you've got to start talking and walking and, and picking people up and get telling people. You know, a lot, a lot about what what my dad did. Hey, you can be great. Hey, you got to do you. You can do this. Get people. Hey, what do you want to do? Hey, what are you going to do? You know, getting everybody to start believing it, that takes a lot. And it finally that that was like one game where you're like, we all believed. We wow. all we all we spent the last year and a half changing something, and then we executed. So that felt really good. Wow! And you were a big part of that because yeah. you were you were named basically I had, uh, the leader four of the team. catches for eighty six yards. Not Did that you I really, remember. Not that <laughs> you remember that. <laughs> Couldn't remember one dance from dance school, <laughs> but you remember your exact yardage from one game. From one game. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. So Did you was, score a touchdown? That was fun. No, actually, kind of a funny story. It was the way that I caught a ball. It was like a like a sixty five yard uh, pass. It was on Friday night, so everybody was yeah. watching on ESPN, and it's called getting hawked. You know what that is? Well, I was I was running down the sidelines, thought it was going to be an easy touchdown, and this guy uh, from Texas hawks me. I, I heard mean, of getting walked. Hawked is worse, right? Oh, it is. Yeah, well, I mean, it's they're both pretty bad, but yeah, it's bad. hawked is when you just get caught from behind. I mean, now he came from the complete other side of the field, and he tackles me like the three yard line, and I don't score the touchdown. And and it was funny. So we we win the biggest we win the biggest game of my college career. I'm. We we're celebrating. Oh, I've got all these texts and call and coming in. I start checking my voicemails. Every single one of my friends to oh, a man busting your balls, busting my balls. You got hog. Nothing about congratulations. <laughs> just like how embarrassing. You've just embarrassed your family because of you know they're just they're going in deep. Yeah, so I didn't talk to them for. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> I got, still hold it against them. Actually, you got still pissed. really. Yeah, oh, yeah. You got hawked. Got they hawked. were just busted. It. Oh man. So yeah. Yeah, oh. that's good. But you know what? You need friends like that. You, gotta, you do. Yeah, keep me humble. Yeah, they can't be telling you what you want to hear all the time. No, they don't. Even, they've never told me anything I want to hear. Yeah, really good friends. <laughs> really, really good, good friends. Sir, we talk about circle of. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, no, but it was it was that was awesome. That was that was a big moment. Yeah, and folks, if, and on that note, if you if you're surrounded by people that are just telling you what you want to hear and agreeing with your sorrow and your victim mentality and playing the excuses and the blame game, it's the wrong circle. That's right. You gotta have somebody call you to the mat on some stuff for sure. Yeah. Call you out, tell you what you don't want to hear. Yeah, not agreeing with everything you say about certain things that you're blaming everybody in your world. So there, there's a little quick note there. That's right. All right. So okay. So let's get through high school. You're out of high school. College. Co- sorry, college. Uh, out of college. What happened? After after uh, give me through college graduation, what happened after that? What were your aspirations? Yeah, yeah I, I I moved quickly. I went I went and got signed as a as a free agent, um, undrafted free agent, right after college no to kidding. play for the 49ers. No way. Um, 
I had a cup of coffee with the 49ers. I got, wow. I got, I got cut. It's kind of, you got cut? Yeah, I got cut. Yeah, it was my, it, I, I'll never forget my well, last What was one. your 40 time? Do you remember your 40 time? It was time? like a 438. Wow. Between 438 and 442. Yeah, it was That's super fast. Quick, fast, kind of a, I was like the Wes Welker type before Wes yeah. Welker was cool. And, right. You know, it was kind of that short, small, white guy kind yeah. of running around the middle, just kind of putting my head into stuff, catching yeah. small balls and kind of running quickly. So um, <laughs> I, got, I got cut. I played for the 49ers in, in, in my last play of my football career, which, and there's a reason why I'm telling this story. One, because it's, it's, it's embarrassing, but two, and it's kind of funny, but two is because I learned something pretty critical in my life yeah. from it. So I, I, I get through camp and I'm probably, if there's a hundred players on the team, I'm probably 101. People thought I was like a kicker, right? I was number three for the 49ers. But, but you know what? My dad was like, he's on cloud nine at this point. Of course. Playing for, you know, his, his favorite team growing up. So anyway, the, I finally make it up to the first team. We're getting, we're going into our first scrimmage um, and they're going to, we're going to do first team defense first. Is this first, first year? This is the first year. Yeah. First year. How many games in? No, no. This is just, we're just in camp. Oh, you're in camp. Yeah, okay. we're just in okay. camp. I don't even make it to games. No. So this is where <laughs> I get cut. Yeah. That's when I say I had a cup of coffee. We're like, <laughs> if coffee. you blink, you missed me. However, it's just kind of funny, right? That it was 2001. Uh, you got guys like Terrell Owens, Jeff Garcia. Wow. Like they were a playoff team that year. And so I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to catch a name and just be noticed. Well, finally, I started getting noticed. I started playing pretty well. And they're like, they tell me before our first our first kind of in-game in scrim, is scrimmage, one versus one. Say, hey, Casey, you're going to start. We're starting you tomorrow. So I finally feel like I've made it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm like, I call my agent at the time and I'm like, hey. I'm like, I'm starting. I'm like, what? I'm how much money do I make for that? He's like, dude, you got, you got to make the team first. I was like, do I get paid anything? I think I made a five thousand dollars signing bonus or something like that. I can't remember. It was like, it was like next to nothing. But what am I being paid? Yeah, what am I being paid? I'm like a starter now. I need you to manage my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm already counting my money. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm 21 years old at the time, and so, anyways, I go into this this scrimmage. We're warming up. I'm all excited. I got the the jitterbugs are going right. Oh, yeah. So the first play of the first scrimmage, they invite all of the media in, they invite the fans in. So we got a bunch, there's a bunch of people watching for the first time. The first play of the first scrimmage, what's the one thing you can't do as a wide receiver? You can't jump off sides. Oh God. I, I get, I'm so excited. I look over, I see Jeff Garcia, I see Terrell Owens and I jump. Steve Mariucci is the coach at the oh. time. He's probably 65 yards away. He throws his hat like at, he, he's throwing it at the offense, but I'm I'm so far away he can't reach me. He screams obscenities at the top of his lungs, and what does he start to do? He, a 65 year old, he's a little overweight at the yeah, time, yeah. starts sprinting at me. There's no one is talking. There's not one player talking. There's not one coach talking. The, the media is not there. talking. Everyone is complete silence, and all I see is an older sort of overweight man sprinting Steve at Steve Mariucci. Steve Mariucci going hard at me. So I'm like, what the, what is he going to do? Is he going to tackle me? Like what I'm I'm bracing for the worst. Comes up, grabs me by the face mask, drags me about 20 yards. We can't fucking win jumping off sides. And he's dragging me, my head's kind of being pulled and I'm kind of going this direction. He goes, "Get the fuck off of this field." That was my last play. <laughs> Of my my football career. Are you kidding? Me? It, you know, but it. But I, I I remember being done. I remember being I remember being done, and so the 
they have I don't know if they've ever cut someone like that before. So, so I go and they're literally like they've got like training. Just because you jumped off sides. Well, that and because I was probably not super important. And what he wanted to do was make he wanted to make That's an impression. True. It was Terrell Owens. I don't think it would happen. He's not getting cut, right? Like it was some guy where they have to you you literally you, have, you were set up. You have I was set, yeah, it was exactly I was uh, they, they changed the count on you. They literally put a sticker with your last name on the helmet. For, for guys like me. They're just like, we, you're so unimportant. We're not going to remember your name until you do something that we need to remember so your name. Sticker. They put like a, like a little piece of tape and with LeBlanc on, on the top of your helmet so like coaches know who the fuck you are. <laughs> so I get, you know, I get cut. That's, that was my last play. My, How embarrassing. My, were you just like, did you want to crawl up in a hole? Would you? Yeah, I mean it was it was super embarrassing, and and I don't think anybody's been cut like that before. So I'm sitting <laughs> yeah, in ever the in the NFL ever, and I'm sitting <laughs> in the locker room, and I'm kind of looking around, going, "There's, you know," and it and it goes to the point of like you don't get a ton of opportunities in life, and you, re- I just remember thinking like you, you know, you weren't prepared for your moment, and you got to learn from this. Like this was an incredible experience. Like first yeah, of all, yeah. appreciate it, look around and yeah. appreciate it. Um, so while you're embarrassed and you're kind of devastated and you're, you're just kind of licking your wounds a little bit, there's moments of kind of, what am I going to get from this? What am I going to learn from this? And it was like, my, I, I just wasn't ready. I wasn't, I wasn't good enough. You know, it's like, oh, do you think you could have been something? Everyone's like, oh, you know, you, if you would have done this or done it. And it's just like, no, I had my chance. I had my moment. I didn't execute. I didn't get it done. Like now you got to move on. You just got to keep it moving. Like, yeah, it was kind of embarrassing. Thank God it was like 2001. This was before cell phones had like, I would have been... <laughs> I mean, I, I could have been a social media uh, Cinderella at that point, you know. Right. Like this guy could have been, could have had my fifteen minutes of fame right there. But totally. you know, it was it was just a it was a big moment in my life and and uh, kind of funny one. But you learn from from stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. But that's but I love the way you're looking at it though, because you got you had your shot. It was awesome. And, I get to tell a cool story. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I learned something from it. It was an incredible experience of of making it to you know kind of this this quote unquote top. Um, being exposed to it, I, I held my own. I think I represented my dad and my family and all the years of training and in a in a respectful way. I played yeah. played well enough. Um, I have, you know obviously not by that story, but but you know to some degree I played well enough and 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 really took a lot from it. And it was like, all right, you just you're just not good enough, right? Like there's certain things that yeah. that my time is up, and now it's time to refocus on something else. And so that's what I did. And so so he says, get the f off this field. Yeah. And what'd you do? Go to the sidelines and just no, sit there I, for the rest of the. No, I, I mean. Or did you actually leave the field? I, I want to say that I left the field. I want to say I, this was like when you get cut in the NFL. It's like they they want your playbook. They you know get you. I think I have like a couple T-shirts, uh, like an old maybe an old jersey or something. I there's not much. They, I mean, they don't give you much other than this story and life lesson. This <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> so did you actually walk off the field that day? <laughs> Again, I, I it's kind of like my dancing career. I kind of blacked out. I just. I don't remember much after getting cut, but I do remember, you know, they take your playbook, they make you pack up your stuff. You, you know, you get your like a couple of different things to take and then you just, you just drive off. So you got cut that day. Oh yeah. Oh, it was, was cut that day. And, and you just drive, you have like a little sack of stuff and I drive off and I'm like, that's it. My, my football career is over. And I don't know how you felt when you got out of the military, but there's this, yeah, it's weird. Holy shit. Like I've been told my entire life when to wake up, what to eat, what to, when to exercise, when to study, when to, it, I do remember that moment of like, man, I'm just, my, your life is about to change. I don't, you've got to start figuring some things out yeah. quickly. So 
That oh was my, dude. That is hilarious. Yeah, the, I, like one of the trainers who who you know you get cut by someone. It wasn't necessarily that head coach. It was like the trainer, like, hey, your 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 time here is done. We need to get all your stuff, and you got to get it quickly. And then they they shuffle you out of there pretty quick. Wow. Yeah. So they didn't even. So what did you do? Did you like like you just took one step off sides, or did you start running? No, no. I you you know right away you fuck. I mean, you if you move like with any sort of Anything. jolt, yeah. you're gonna get called for it. They, they because they bring in officials like NFL officials to officiate. It's like a game. They want to. They're trying to create game scenario. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I and I just jumped. I just for that one moment, I sucked. I wasn't ready. I got excited, and I just you know you just kind of you know shoot the bet on it. And it's just like <laughs> yeah, that's your moment. You know. Moment. I mean, I had some good football moments in my life, but that wasn't it. That wasn't no. It. So you, you went just, out on a <laughs> yeah uh, you, yeah you just you know it just wasn't my time. And I, and I like I said. I recognize that you're just not good enough. So I wasn't going to hold on to something yeah. where, you know, it was kind of my body was beat up. I'd had several knee surgeries. Um, I wasn't at my best physically. And, and uh, so how long I could have made it, it was just like, you know what? You can go use all of these experiences that you've had in football. You've, you've done it at the highest level for the cup of coffee. Yeah. And yeah. now what, what are you going to go do? You gonna, where, where are you going to make your impact? What are you going to do in your life? And so from that point, so then, do you remember what you did? You went back to where, home? What did you? Yeah, I was living in, no, I was in an apartment um, at the time. Uh, we, you know, finished up college or was finishing up college. And I had a part-time job. I was, um, I was you know, in the financial world yeah. and just decided, all right, now it's time to go make some money. And it really went from give your entire focus like I'm a big believer. I, I just gave this uh, kind of a sermon at, at a wedding of being all in. Yeah, this idea of all in. People, people tiptoe around making a commitment and making a decision that they're going to do something, and this has a profound effect on why people get stuck. Yeah, is because they want to try ten things and yeah. see what works. And I'm, I'm like, hey there's a plan a and you fucking figure it out yeah. and you make a decision. You're going to be all in. And then every waking moment you put steps and a process and habits and discipline into making that work. Yep. And football was that for me. And every step of the way I had a bigger, you know, kind of a bigger goal and, and something fundamental I was working towards that kept me going. And then now I needed to figure out what was going to be that for me post football. And it turned into I wanted to figure out when I was younger, just to be completely honest, I wanted to make money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. That was my, that was what I thought I needed to do. Uh, not necessarily the impact and stuff. I said, you know right. what, if, if I'm going to make an impact, I better have some success to be able to do that. So that was, I, I just totally refocused. And I, I don't know that it clicked on the way home from, from getting yeah. cut, but it, you know, somewhere within, you know, a month or two, it was like, all right, let's, let's, let's gear it up and get going. W were you down at all? Like after that happened? Like, no, no not at all. No. Cause you was, realize, you know what? I, I'm just lucky to be out there. Yeah. Right? I think there was this, this idea of my body and my talent has taken me to a level that I, I, I think was fair. And I don't think I got shorted with any opportunities. I did the best that I could. Didn't happen to be good enough for what I wanted to do. But that was I was I, I had felt I was in a position of so much gratefulness and thankfulness of the work, getting to the pinnacle, not doing it, but just being like, all right, what's next? Yeah, you know, and I was ready to go. And so then when you got back, you said after a month or two, did, what you got into finances? What would you get into right away? Yeah, so I, I was selling loans at the time in like 2001, 2002, and, and then started growing a team. 
And then I decided I didn't want to live in San Jose my whole life and moved to San Diego. And I was, I was probably I was 20, 21, 22 years old and ended up expanding a division for the company that I was with. What, down what company San Diego. you with originally? What were they called? I think it was a... Um, it's called like Community One or something. And like how that. did you get into it? You just went there and say, "Hey, I want a, to be friend. a yeah. friend." Yeah, when a buddy, a buddy from football, got me into it. Really? Yeah, a guy threw through a through the white pages at me and said, call, "These are all homeowners or or people with numbers." Yeah, talk talk about talk to me about that. Uh, they Give said, me when you first started. Like what? Were my you, first day, and I was all. You know, it was funny when I. I want your what, squad and your team to know that you've been in the trenches. Yeah, so this go. is definitely the trenches. But I all I wanted to do, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my career, but I knew I wanted. My dad was a landscape contractor, so he had a. He's kind of an entrepreneur, but never really good with money, but but really good with like design and contracting, and landscaping, yeah. doing doing those things. But he was always wearing jeans and a t shirt, and I was like. I want to wear a suit. It was kind of, I wanted to work on Wall Street. All I wanted to do, two things in my career, wear a suit and drink coffee. That was, yeah. that was my goal. That was it. That's it. That was it. So on my first day, my first job, I, I was working in a financial uh, shop, and, and I wore a suit, and I drank coffee, and I said, I fit the pinnacle on I my made first it. day. Then the guy throws me the white pages and says, I want you to call every phone number in here and see if they want to refinance. And I, so I started doing that, and it was brutal. brutal. Oh, God, it was miserable. It's just such a bad. I mean, you're just dialing for dollars. Yeah, and people hanging out. Oh, you're hearing all kinds of stuff. I mean, it just it, it, you know, you're 21 and you're <laughs> going from everyone telling you how great you are in sports. You know, you're in college and you know women and girls and all this kind of this life. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I'm being told on, over the phone for 10 hours a day. You know, you're a piece of shit. Don't ever call this and that. And, you know, so you're just trying to kind of. Like water, just kind of let it bounce off of you, kind of just keep it moving, keep it rolling, trying to deal with how to, or trying to figure out how to deal with rejection. Well, yeah, what did you learn during that process? Just that, just you're going to get rejected 99.999% of the time, but that one deal, that one person you can connect with, uh, you you know, you know, can start selling. Basically what they said when they came in, hey, you've got a bunch of friends and family you can go hit up, go do that first. And I was like, I made this decision real early. No. No. Not a chance. I'm not. I'm not using that. I'm not gonna screw that up. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hack it on my own. I'm. Gonna, I gotta figure this out on my own. And eventually, friends and family were like, "Oh, this guy's doing something. I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna work with him." But I never was hitting anybody up. You didn't start that. Didn't no, start no, no. So I started from from the white pages. From the white pages. So give it to me. What was your like? Do you remember like? Do, were you starting to try to like learn on what to say to try to get them to listen to you for more than three seconds? Yeah, and it and honestly, I you start like everyone else and you sound like everyone else. Oh, hi, this is Casey. I yeah. um I'm looking to you start stuttering and you're like, "Do you own your home at Smith Way?" Click, 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 click. And then <laughs> and then you start making shit up. You're like, hey, hey, Jimmy, yeah. it's me. It's Casey. <laughs> and then I start having fun with everybody in the office, you know, because originally I was like so caught in my head. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're in the financial space. You're selling this. You're doing this. And so I, you start doing the same thing every robot and, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry was going to do. And I, so I sounded like everybody else. So I was getting hung up on. I was I, I couldn't find any level of success. And I'm like, that's not who you are. Yeah. Who were you? And yeah. I, so I started thinking, like, well, let me just start making having some fun with this because you know everybody hanging up on you isn't very fun. So I, I then I started pretending like we're we're like long you knew lost. Like yeah, it. we're like you know family, and and you start having fun with it. You let your personality come through. 
Uh, you just try to engage with you. Try you're trying to get all you're trying to do is get another five seconds. Right. Yeah, right. Like, finally, you get a couple of minutes, and and a couple of those turns into a couple of real conversations, a couple of presentations. Then it you know kind of goes into a a, a sit down face to face, etc. And so you just the only way I was able to learn was through trial and tribulation. And nobody was sitting there telling me scripts. The scripts don't work if they do tell you. You've right. got to find your script for your product, for your time, for what is comfortable with your personality, and that. That's what resonates and works for me. Yeah, and that's pretty much how it works in the world. In the world, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's always it's always the same thing. Going back to be who you are, yeah. who you were meant to be, who you're designed to be. Yeah, yeah. be you. That's exactly right. right? Exactly, you, your authentic self, yeah. unapologetically you. Yeah. So, so, so give me like a couple of hey. What's up, bro? It's Casey. So we're, again, I, I only tend to remember the good things that I've done, but I I, I've been trying to, I've, I black out in a lot of these questions. But it was it was always something like to the sense of hey, you know, hey, and because you're that initial people were this was back in one people yeah. were answering like landlines at yeah, the time, yeah. you know, some of it is cell phone, but we're talking about the white pages; those don't even exist anymore. No. So you you're going through the white pages, finding numbers, and you got. You know, Joe and, and Mary Thompson and whoever, you know, if, if, if a guy answers, you're, hey, Joe, it's Casey. And you just, you act with so much energy and enthusiasm, they can hang up. Right. You know, it's me. And they're just like, it's kind of on the edge of their seat. Like, who, who is, I don't know a Casey. They're in their head, but they're in their head. They're like, well, I probably do if he yeah. knows me. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm just calling. I got something really cool. I wanted to call you. I just uh, just have time for for a quick conversation, but I wanted to get this to you. You know, I just, I see here, you guys are still at, you know, and I go through the address yeah. or something like that. I'm like, man, that's awesome. I'm like, is that one of the, I can't remember the last time I was over in that neighborhood. Did you, do you guys have a view in that space? And so they start answering questions, like, like you, you know them, and then all of a sudden they're, it kind of changes, and I'm asking, trying to ask questions to get them yeah. to talk, right? If yeah. you talk too much, click, click, click. Right. So, anyways, you can scratch your teeth on on uh, cold calling, and not every day was going to be the same day. You know, someday I'm in there and I'm just I I was you know hey I got a four percent interest rate. You interested? Nope. Click four percent interest rate. You interested? Nope. Click four percent interest rate. You know, some days I want to bullshit. Some days I want to just get through yeah. four thousand calls. You know, it's just going to be just it's just a grind. What were you averaging in calls a day? Would you say? Uh, or what did they tell? Did you have a? a, a, a we didn't. I was di dialing for dollars. I mean, you're, you're did like you have a quota that say you need to call this many or no? No, I mean the quota was in. You know, they 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 said I don't care how you get it. You know, if you go to family and friends, if you door knock, if you walk down the street, we just want applications to come in. You know, is the is looking at you know which I do too is key performance indicators, your KPIs, or what are the activities that are generating the most results? They're like, hey, I don't care if you make ten calls or if you make a thousand. We want to see applications coming in, real applications that were running for people, and so that's what they were managing was applications. Yeah, and so what, what was your like? How many calls were you doing a day? Boy, it was it was in the hundreds a day. Yeah, like and then five you, days a week. Yeah, maybe usually six or seven. Yeah, just just days a week. Yeah, because. It's commission only. It was commission only at the time. I mean, I think you maybe get a like a stipend for gas because it's probably forty minutes away. But it was, it was nothing. It was pennies, and I was so sick of being poor. You know, you know, poor college student. That was I was not going to do that. I, I originally was actually coming down. I was going to coach at San Diego State football, and they made they made kind of a it was called a grad assistant which is basically you go fetch pizza for the coaches when they're hungry yeah. and then you have to break down tape it was like a 20 hour a day job and i was going to be making less than what i was making when i was a, a scholarship student at san jose state and i was like 
yeah, I want to get into coaching, but I can't sacrifice another, you know, four years of my life. 20 hours a day? Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a total grind because you're just a, you're a gopher. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I didn't do that. That was, a, I, I thought I was going to get into coaching. I ended up saying, you know what? I want to get into wearing, wearing a suit and, and drinking coffee. And so that was my means to do that. Then cold calling uh, really kind of taught me how to, how to grind. You know, there's just no other, there's no other way to do it. You're going to talk to the most amount of people behind a phone. Uh, if you can find your script or your, your shtick, uh, you can make it land and resonate. And it teaches you how to connect with people, how to sell and how to do it quickly, how to do it efficiently. Um, one of the things in sales that I that I learned uh, th- as I was cold calling, my job was to take applications and then to set appointments. And mm-hmm. then I was going to bring in a senior guy. And at the time, this guy was driving a Ferrari. It was kind of like, it was almost like boiler room. Yeah, boiler room, yeah. It was exactly like that. And so I make this, uh, uh, it was one of my first appointments. And he was like, I'll drive. We'll, we'll drive to the appointment together. And I was like, cool, man. First time in a Ferrari. So we're driving in a Ferrari. And this guy drives me over to our first appointment. We go into the house. And I'm at this point I've I've got a little bit of a rap with the you know the husband and wife, but I don't know anything about the product. I don't know what a, yeah. a loan is. I'm a twenty dumb twenty year old. Yeah. Anyways, he goes in and they live in this beautiful house. It was it was up on the hill, kind of in the Oakland area. And he just doesn't say much, right? So he's kind of leaning on me to to connect and do all this and that, but I don't know anything about the product. So at some point he's gotta be the one to do it. Well, anyway, he kind of goes through his spiel. Basically, just all about the numbers doesn't connect. Yeah, and he walks out, and I remember him looking at me and goes, "We nailed that, bro." And I'm like, "No, we didn't." And he's like, "Yeah, that deal's in the bag." And basically, all they said is, "Okay, thanks for coming out." And I'm like, "That's not how a sale. Works. I don't know much, but that's not how a sale works." I was furious. I'm like, "How did we leave without getting a real commitment?" You know, it was basically yeah. like we just drove 40 <laughs> minutes. To you know, as like an infomercial without any level of sales or connection or drive to 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 try to move them in a in a certain direction. So I was like, I'm never bringing Ferrari boy again. I'm gonna do this myself. And I said from there on out, I'd rather go on that appointment and me strike out versus bring somebody along who you know he's. I don't know how he got to be so successful, but that wasn't gonna be my success of thinking you had won when you really hadn't. That was yeah. not. That's not a win. That's a yeah because you didn't get any commitment, right? We got nothing. Nothing, and they didn't never ended up getting uh, to the deal point. You know, they went with someone else. So you you kind of I like and again I liked that I learned that so quickly. Yeah, you want to you you do all that pre work. You want to be able to the one to go to the bat, and I'd rather strike out than I would just sit on the bench and judge somebody else who's up at the plate. And what was the mistake you think that was made? What looking back at that one instance, like what did you learn right there? Yeah, it was just the connection, right? Is that he came in and he thought all he had to do was go through the numbers and he didn't like ask exactly what they needed and then how mm-hmm. these numbers were going to, you know, what's in it for me type of thing. Yeah. So it was just like he kind of relied on me to do some of the kind of the fluff work of talking to him about their house and stuff like that, which we never even talked about. I thought he was going to do the whole thing. And then when we got to the numbers, he never really figured out exactly what was in it for them. And then never took the next step, never asked for the deal, never, never tried to really kind of move them. Close them. Yeah. It's like, you got to ask for the business. Yeah. And we got done. And then he thought it was like a victory. And it was like, no, dude, this is like the second quarter. You're up by three points in the second quarter. This is, we haven't won anything. I was just like, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. This is not how I. This is not how I compete for myself or numbers. None of that stuff. So that was the last time I ever brought anybody on a sales presentation. And so tell me, like moving forward, when you started doing your own, 
How did it change? Were you starting to get deals? Were you? Yeah, I started, you know, maybe not right away, but I started to learn every single time. And you're going to connect with people different ways. Some people just down and dirty. What are the numbers? If the numbers work, then I'll work with you. Yeah. Not everybody is the same. So kind of being a chameleon and you can kind of say, hey, does this person want me to ask them a lot of questions and kind of find where their, you know, where their sweet spot is and how my product can actually give them benefit? Or are they just like, hey, what are the numbers? What's the savings? What's the cost? What, you know, so you're just kind of, who's making the decision, the husband or the wife? You know, it's mm -hmm. a lot of um, evaluation in a short amount of time. And it's also connecting, right? People want to do business with people that they like and That's that right. they trust. So That's right. you're trying to establish all of those different things in a short amount of time. And so what would you th say is one of the most important things when, you, when you're dealing with any type of sales of a product, a service, like, is, is it, like you keep saying this, what's in it for them? What's in it for them, right? Yeah, I think that it, it really becomes all about them. We, we've, we've really wrapped our entire escrow business about uh, servicing the listing agent, being really specific with that. Our business is really di uh, interesting because the buyer and the seller pay our escrow fee, but the listing agent drives the business to yeah. us. So we serve... Uh, you know, we serve a lot of different people, right? We want to make sure that the consumer gets a ton of value, but they don't, they don't do it frequently enough to choose who they're, who they're doing business with from an escrow service provider. Yeah. So we work with the real estate community at large. And a lot of what we're trying to do from a tech standpoint or a value standpoint is figure out what are the problems that they're, you know, encountering and what's some of the value that we can help alleviate some of that. Nice. So, and we're going to come full circle back to that to get more into detail about what you do. Because I also want people that are listening or watching that have no idea that are that are agents that are title whatever that so that they know what you do and how you can serve them. But go back to when you were dialing for dollars. Give me, give me a let's 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 go fast through your career evolution from that point. So when I was I was working for someone immediately found some success. So I would say within six months started to make some real money and then decided I wanted to do it on my own. Yeah. Uh, so became an entrepreneur when I was probably 22 or three, started my own company, grew really and, and fast. So you immediately got into mortgage, was it mortgages right away? Yeah, we started wholesaling uh, mortgages <clears throat> and started selling on the secondary market. So was learning how to sell, yeah. then was learning how to build a team, then was learning how to make money from, from a team, and then was saying, okay, if we can bundle these up, we can start selling them. Um, so we started doing that. We grew probably by the time I was 20 four or five we grew to about 200 uh people that wow. were that were running around we were in la all the way down to the border um we were a 25 million dollar company at the time I and was, this was was it your company or are you with another company I had a partner um at the time and so we grew it and just as fast as we grew it and, and was, someone, it a, was it a mortgage company then? it was a mortgage okay. company yeah. Yeah, yeah and 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 grew it to like I said, about twenty five million dollars. We were one of the bigger ones in, in Southern California, and then somebody came and approached us about selling. And I was young, and I just uh, the only thing I could think of was, well, what would I do? Yeah, you know. And I was, and I was, so I was very young, and and uh, nobody had nobody trains entrepreneurs. You know, you just kind of you're figuring it out right. as you go. Exactly, totally. And you know, a couple of years later, end up going to to zero. You know, almost to zero. We ended up keeping the company, um, and I ended up kind of splitting from my. So partner. you didn't sell it. I, I ended up selling it after the 2008-2009 oh, crash. So I rode the whole thing down. No way. Almost everyone just bankrupt their company and walked on. I didn't I didn't believe in that. I was like, nope, I'm going to I just as fast as I took it up, wow. I'm going to I'm going to sail the way down and stupid at the time. I wasted a lot of money just I didn't want I didn't want I yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to fire people. I didn't want um I didn't I thought 
bankrupting a company was unethical, even though that's that's not how it works. Right. <laughs> um, but I was, you know, I was 25, 26. Uh, no, maybe I was 27, 28 by, at the time. But but anyway, so had you know rode that wave, ended up selling it in 2010. So made pennies on on the dollar of of what it was originally worth. But um, and so going back, talk to me about it. Was there a, the fact that you how much were you offered originally? It, it, it was like they just came up and I was getting approached all the time. Like, yeah, okay. Hey, would you sell? And it was always no. Okay. Wouldn't even entertain the offer. And I, and so what, what I learned from that when I was, when I kind of rode those waves is that if you own a company or if you own anything, it's always for sale. Right. You know, that the, those, those things, uh, there's a price that you would pay. You know, if you, somebody came in and offered you, you know, $85 million for something that's worth 25, you'd probably take it. Right, you know, so you're so you're for sale. So you should be more. I was, I learned, I should have been more open at the time. And and if you got a couple of bucks in your pocket, you can go find something else. To That's do. right. You can find something to, to, to you know, you can reinvent uh, the laundry industry or the you know, the, like you, the mattress industry. Like who knows where your next endeavor could be? Um, but I was so fixated on you know wearing a suit and drinking coffee and and, and and working in an industry that was like financial and and so I just. It wasn't even on the table. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't even entertain it. And so how rough was the 08, 09? Talk to me about that. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, tell but me, it, tell but, me what you went through. But, it, you know, it was great is because I was in a in a partnership at the time, and we owned um, – so I was I was really an entrepreneurial in the sense that I wanted to buy buy other business and start creating a, a kind of like a – just a suite of services that I thought could kind of do business together. So I ended up buying an escrow company. I ended up buying a printing and mailing business in uh, Boise, Idaho. So we were going to use that as our marketing arm, use the escrow as our escrow arm. And then we had the mortgage and financial. And so we were creating this suite of services to go to the real estate community and try to drive real engagement with cost savings and uh, marketing and, and escrow services all under one roof. Really smart idea for, for that age and for that time. 0809 came and I had, now I had a mortgage company that they're not making money. Escrow company is tied to the mortgage company, so if one is down, then that one's down. And then I had a printing and mailing business that was, it was like a twenty thousand square foot facility in Boise. And everybody, what happens in in uh, when when the market crashes, everybody cuts marketing first. Yeah. So we had three businesses that were that were bleeding. And what what ended up coming from it was you bleed, you bleed, you bleed, you bleed, you bleed. You have to figure out how to pivot and learn, and you're you're. It's just survival mode. It's it's freaking Hunger Games out there where you're just trying to figure out yeah. how to survive the 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 round or the day or the. I know you and I have talked about your yes. story. It's the same thing. It's like you are living dollar by dollar, day by day, and you're trying to just figure it out. You're trying to bring enough in to survive another day, another right. week, another month. And so we were we were going through a lot of that stuff. When you have three businesses, and you probably have. A, a hundred people that are working for you at the time. You've got a lot of a lot of mouths to feed. You've got a lot of uh, moving pieces that are going on, and you got to travel. So having a business in Idaho and in mostly in San Diego, you're back and forth. Uh, my 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 business partner at the time was going through divorce, and so he was checked out. So I was doing a lot of this on my own. Mm. And what ended up coming from it was where we just kind of grew apart. Where he saw the world differently, and our worldviews were different. So we used this downturn 
to separate because I wanted to go and drive innovation and technology and the world was going to change. I never wanted to see myself in this position again where I was determined what my success was determined by market conditions. I wanted to create something more sustainable. And so we ended up, uh, I wanted to kind of going through a business divorce and, you know, coming out the other side where I was left with nothing. And, and, uh, I was, I was down to, I had less than a hundred dollars in my bank account. And it was just one of those times where I, at the time I was married, she was asking if we could go and, you know, you're, you're working so much. Can we just go to a dinner? And if we didn't have a credit card, I, I couldn't have taken her out to that dinner, you know, but you're in your, so every dollar from a personal perspective wow. was used and you're just, you know, you're, you're just trying to pull it from anywhere. And if I wouldn't have gotten out of that, the, the business partnership, that would have not been the case, but I was willing to give up everything. Yes. Because I believed in something that was different and I wanted a different life for myself. And I wanted, I didn't want to have a partner anymore at that point. I did not, especially not one where we didn't believe in the same vision. Yes. And so that's, that's, uh, that's what happened. And I think, again, I think it worked out good for both of us. What year was that? This was 2000, into 2010. 2010. So talking about how important it is to align with someone, not only in relationships, but especially as a business partnership that, that is aligned with your, let's say, core values. It's, it's the most important decision you're going to make. If you're going to partner both in, a, in your personal life and in your business life, and you're going to share 50% uh, or any percent, really, yeah. you have to align on big picture stuff. Your Everything. core, your fundamentals, like the values. Like This is just, this is life 101. It's Life 101, easy. Really important, yeah. There, there may not be something more important when, when you're talking about a partnership or someone you're going to spend that amount of time with and invest that amount of capital, energy. Um, you're investing your life in a relationship on a personal level. Well, you're also doing that on a business level as well. And not only is it uh, does it cost money in business, but in relationships, it's even worse. I mean, it's even more impactful because then that reflects everything in your life. Because yeah. if you've got a solid partnership at home, everything you can, you we can do what we do, with flow. But if things aren't going well there and you're not aligned, then we can't flow, right? It's yeah. it's, it's a domino effect. Yeah, you know that's it's been fun fun to kind of see how Tom Brady's even gone through. Yeah, right? he's going through divorce, but he's still got to play, and so it's it's hard. It's hard to compartmentalize the personal life and keep that separate of your business life. And there is it bleeds over. Both do right, yeah. like. As an entrepreneur, yeah, you want to come home and show up perfect every day, but you, it's hard. You know that that takes real skill and, and training and development and awareness. And so, same thing too. If your if your relationship is going through it, it's hard for that to not bleed into your your business life. It is, yeah, it's really hard, really hard. And so mm-hmm. those those two decisions on who you're going to align with are critical, critical. Yeah. All right. So go back to when you were struggling. You couldn't even take her out on a dinner. They had to have a credit card. Tell me how you got through that. Give me some stories about how rough it was. Let people that, especially people that worked for you now, I want them to really know that you really went through some hell. Well, we started <laughs> in a in a closet. So we had built these three huge companies, and they were all aligned and working together, and everything was great. And it was the you know nice dinners, nice card, nice all everything was going well, and it all stopped. And to kind of repivot and kind of go down with the roller coaster, and then see it swing up again, and it. The uh, it was more of a U-shape recovery than it was a V-shape recovery, and what I mean by that is you're kind of stuck at the bottom mm. for what feels like a lifetime, and when you're you're kind of horse trading on dollar for dollar, expense for expense, and you're just kind of going through it, and it 
just every day is you're just trying to get enough energy and enthusiasm. You know, it, it is really easy to cheerlead when you're winning. It is really difficult to be the energetic, enthusiastic, yes. and positive when you're when you're down. But it's when you go through those moments that will define the good, the good, and you as a person and a leader. And it's like those. That's where I think the this switch flips, and I just go, okay, this is one of those times. Like you got to recognize, like I'm in the I'm in the thick of it, right? If it's something that's going on in my relationship and we're going through struggles, and and I just gotta I gotta flip it. Hey. This is your moment to where you got to step up. You got to be better than what what you've been when it's really good. This is where you yes. define who you are. Same thing in business. Same thing in personal and relationship. All of it. You got to you got to flip the switch. Once you're aware of like, hey, I'm going through something right now. Like now, I've got to be at my best. I've got to dial in. I've got to refocus. I've got to like I've got to be better. And and those things I think are really impactful. So. When you've got no money, you've got to be creative, right? Yeah. You've got to use all of your resources and the people that are around you. Um, and you've just got to start one foot in front of the other. It starts slow. Like you can't solve world issues, you know, in one day. You've got to, you've got to do those things. And it's just day in, day out. Yeah. You've got to start doing some, some things that are positive that are going to have momentum. You also need to know where to use your time mm. and where to use your resources because Every single decision is so critical when you're at that low. You don't know how long you're going to be there, and so you really need to be effective. You got to be. You got to show up. You got to work through it, and you've got to be really effective in using your resources. And it's literally just literally one day at a time. Yeah, like you said, you get up, you lace up the boots, and you say, "All right, I'm going to get in the fight. I'm going to make it till the end of the. We're going to make it through this day." And then you don't even think about the next day. I remember when I went through hell with this business. Yeah. I would take it one day. I'd come home. I'd hug my daughter for two hours because I'd feed off her pure energy. That's awesome. Two hours. No, no, She didn't know anything was going on. The world was her oyster, right? So I'd feed off that. And next day, lace them up to get back in there, like you said. And then I had to motivate a team. I had 15 employees at that point that had to look at me for positive motivation yeah. while we're going through hell, right? Well, I would imagine you probably pulled from some of your, your military background. Oh yeah, right. I mean, like always military background, like, always discipline, yeah. attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. yeah communication, and, I, and I'm pulling from my sporting background, right? Is yeah. being a being a really terrible team. And what are you doing in those moments? Yeah. And and you know when you lose and you get a hundred guys that are alpha males that have been told they're great their entire life, one loss can break some people. Yes. Right. And then several in a row can break more people. And then when you get into a losing pattern, it almost breaks everybody. And right. It's, and it's the people that it doesn't break that have to recreate and course correct to get things going in the right direction. And that that's really the hardest, right? Like I said, like to go in and be the CEO of Apple right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, you guys are trillion dollar company. There's, you know, you you got a lot of options, right? But to go in and be the the CEO of FTX, yeah, now, like, two different things, right? Yes. Both both uh, both have their challenges, but one's a little easier than the next because everybody's beaten in one and everybody's kind of at the top in the other. Not to say that you're going to do well in either, but I'm saying to course correct on something that is fundamentally broken. That's really difficult when when you well, like these NFL teams when they when a new coach comes in and they got to coach the D Detroit Lions. Yeah, we're talking about 25, 35 years of being terrible. Um, that's hard to do. Yes. So and I and I think those are that's when real uh, leadership is defined is what you do in those moments. And, and then right now with where we are as a society in our in our because everything right now it's it's bad right people are. The, of inflation prices, people are, everybody's singing the blues, the media's pumping fear-mongering, fear-mongering, and everybody's freaking out, right? So talking about the people that are watching right now, they're like, like, does this, does this trans, does this go parallel to life? 
like how you approach, approach life every day. Yeah. Like people that aren't CEOs, people that aren't running businesses, employees. But you're the CEO of your own life. There you go. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, you're the CEO of your own life, and you're the CEO of your own health, and you're the CEO. There's so many things that you are leading, whether you like it or not. So yep. you might as well take the ownership and the and have the kind of that wherewithal to go be effective at it, right? Like so. When you talk about the CEO of your health, I remember I was talking to another CEO of this really successful company. He said, hey, that resonated with me because you go to a doctor and you go see one doctor, right? Like whoever has the earliest available appointment, right? And they're like, hey, you got to do this. And you're not going to go get, for something that's really important, you're not going to go get a couple of different opinions. You're not going to do your research. You're not going to, like, people are just it, just in line with whatever they hear they do. And, like, you've got to have some more awareness and do more research and be that CEO-level executive who takes all of the data and then makes an executive decision. Same thing, too, in business. So, yeah, I think the idea of, like, fear-mongering and what, what people are being told and sold is not necessarily always the truth and that people need to just kind of step up and act independently on some of that stuff. Yeah, basically be the CEO of their life. That's it. I like the way you put that. Because we, we all have the choice every given day to live a positive life, a negative life, right? We have the choice, right? Absolutely. And to yeah. go after it. All right, so give me the, so you're getting through the hard times, come out the other end there for me. When you start to see light at the end of the tunnel, what happened there? Like, give me the, Started coming back up. You're like, ooh, here we go. Yeah. So I was, I, I, I did all of this. I knew I was going to take take a deeper step back than what I needed to because of this idea. Oh, I yeah, so, to do so, it on my own. So when you broke up with the partnership, mm -hmm. I liked what you said there. You were willing to sacrifice pretty much everything to then have a a, a, a situation where it was more harm, harmonious for you. Right. So there was a there was the, the easy path was we had a company that was making a lot of money. Yeah. It was in the escrow space. It was the only company making money. It was kind of funding the other ones. And I said, look, people just don't like working here. They're just unhappy. Like I don't want to do that. Like we need to create a culture and the way that we can do that is by building technology and it's making their lives easier. But that's a really expensive way to do it. And in a in a market, we don't have any money to spend. There's always a way, right? Money is just one barrier. It's not the barrier. And so I said, I want to create something different. We're going to change escrow. We're going to do it through technology. There we go. We're going to build a culture. And we're going to innovate. And we're going to develop. We're going to hire developers. We're going to hire people that are young and excited and passionate about what they're doing. And we're going to start building it with fa fundamental foundational pieces. And these, this is the way we're going to do it. And he was like, nope, that's not what I want to do. And I said, great, I'm willing to, to lose it all because I believe in this so much. And so once I started doing and getting back into, like at some point, you that's a, that's really great, but you got to get the the kind of some of the building blocks yeah. built first. So that took about, it took about a year. So you said, great, you guys split up and then you restarted over? Restarted over, yep. Had to go out and, and figure out how to buy a license, figure out how to set up a new office. We were working out of a closet. We hired two people and then just built from there and and basically you know could only pay them part time what do you mean a closet what does that mean define that we were, i mean we were in a in like a office about as big as this yeah you know the whole office the whole office yeah you know <laughs> wow it was, yeah it was it was nothing and so you're just you know you're at a point where you you all, you either can, it make or make or break you right? make or break and you you know it and you just got to work your way out of it. And so you do. And then you start to see some momentum, positive momentum, momentum, positive and negative momentum go in both directions, right? And so you just got to start building some positivity, right? A, a win is a new contract that you get. It's a new mattress that you sell. It's a new relationship that you create. It's yeah. something, something positive. Well, build off of that. Start doing that a lot more. 
So I was I started doing that. We started building some tech. And we really started to embrace, and I knew uh, that this was going to work, but it took years to work. When I first got into the business, everyone laughed at me. Really? Technology? No, nobody cares about technology. This business is What does been, that mean, to find technology with escrow? So we built um, we built a, like the first mobile app in escrow to yeah. where it would tell you kind of where the transaction was. When I, when I was in escrow, I realized it's an important part of a transaction, but nobody knows what the hell's going on. Right. It was like a black box. Like, yeah. yeah I, I know what I was doing when I was with the realtor, but then I, when I close, there's like this 30-day window that yeah. nobody no, knows no, what the hell's no going, going on. on. Yeah. So we were trying to solve that through or part of that through technology, right? And so use have really good people, then have a product that, that can help the consumer understand what's going on. So we did that in 2011. It was our first year. Because every day, we said every day, we're going to be building our own technology. So we're going to create a culture, almost like a tech company, is exciting, sexy, uh, independent. We're, we're going to think for ourselves. We're going to solve problems. We're going to build product. And we're going to change the industry. And so you start talking like that. I got a lot of people, especially in the beginning, that are like, I'm not working for you. You're, really? you're a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they might have been right. right, right. No, they're right, but <laughs> yeah. in a good way. So we started, and I, I, I see the same speech I, I, I give today for recruits as I did 10 years ago. I, I'm so passionate about what we're doing and how we're trying yeah. to change an industry and technology being one of those, like people and technology can coexist together yeah. if you build it right. Um, so a lot of times people were like, well, I don't want to learn new stuff. Or you're trying to disrupt my job. It's like, no, I'm trying to help you. Like, if you can work eight hours a day versus 12, I'm giving you four hours a day, five days a week, back to your family, back to your health, back to, like, you can make the same amount of money or more right. by working eight, but working efficiently using technology and your resources. Like, I'm going to give you the gift of time, right? In addition to making more money, addition to less stress, like, these are like fundamental things for the health of your family, yeah. of your life. Trust me. And over time, you start to actually execute on that. People are like, wow, he, he cares about me. He believes. Yeah. he's Because what I was doing was spending every dollar of profit in innovation and development. So I would take just the, the bare minimum of what I needed to live and live a really kind of a meager life. Not meager, but very average, right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. rent and, and some food and, and some basic clothes. So you kind of looked apart. But other than that, it was everything back into the business because – I, I truly believed in it. And that was kind of that all in. Like, I believe in this. I'm going to do it. And if if you, as my business partner, don't, hey, let's shake hands and, and part because I'm too passionate to be, you know, kind of, I'm like an, I'm like an animal, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I need I need to be able to roam. Yeah. And so talk to me about how, how it then, okay, a couple of people came on. Oh, wow, this is starting to work. A couple of people believed in you. It yep. started spreading. Yeah. Then how did it, when did it get a point where it just like it either exploded or went to another level? Yeah, it, ex it started to explode when we started to build technology that actually worked. Wow. Yeah, once once we did that, and it took a, a long time. I knew nothing about development. I'm from the Bay Area, but and so I kept going, well, I could probably figure it out. So we hired a couple couple developers, um, most of them overseas, and, and then just started to, to develop every day. Part of that became my job. I'm going to build technology. I'm going to learn how to do it. And it was just through trial and error. And it was taking a budget. So I knew I could, if I if I grew the company like this, we'd have this much of a budget or profit. And I could invest this amount of profit into it. And then every day we're just trying to squeeze that developer for, uh, you know, you got to get this right. Yeah. You know. And so he started to get something right. And people were like, oh shit, we are going to build stuff that's ours. And so. Um, and that's how we, we spun off an entire tech company that sells to the escrow world in other states. And wow. That, 
And that was that was when I knew we were on to something. We're, we're changing an industry and other people are going to pay for the work that we did. That's when you're, that's when you're doing something special, so or you, at least what we thought. And so you guys have, what, escrow companies using your technology throughout the country? Correct. Wow. Yeah. So we're, we, have a, we have several offices in, in uh, Southern California, and then we don't license in Southern California. We only license in other states. And so we license our tech to other companies in other states, which you know, it, it validates some of the work that we've done. And then we're constantly using our company as that trial ground. Right. So you talk yeah. about a tech yeah. company like, hey, what are the problems you're experiencing? There's probably other people in the country that are experiencing similar problems. They'll pay us for our intellectual property and time to develop product that solves those problems. So And, and so talk to me about uh, like uh, if somebody's listening right here that they're in the real estate business, who how, I don't even know how it works. Like who brings you on? Who does real estate companies, mortgage companies? Yeah, mostly we're, we're probably 90, 94% um, purchases, right? So people, yeah. okay. listing agents that are selling property will pick us. Uh, we do some refinance. We, we just opened up a huge commercial division uh, several months ago. And so when the market, which it's contra- contracting right now, so yeah, we're expanding yeah. our product offering. So we're doing uh, boats. We're doing cannabis companies. Uh, so it's not tied to real estate. We're doing holding escrow. We're doing fertility escrow. Um, I mean, we're doing anything. What does that mean? Anything you can transact, we can escrow. So if you, you know, if, uh, uh, if you have some sort of product and the other person has money, yeah. Sometimes you want to put the money into escrow so the person with product feels good about giving it up. Once they've given up the product, then we'll release the money to escrow, or excuse me, to the to the to the seller. So there's all kinds of things you can do from an if you've got uh, you know an expensive watch, if you've got a boat, you, you know, there's personal property that that you want to escrow because you want to make sure that the person, the buyer, has the actual funds. So we're we're that independent third party. So. Most of what we do is is residential and commercial real estate, but we do open this full line of product for you know selling a business, selling personal product, and, and like I said, even fertility and some of that stuff. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You're kidding me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. Were you gonna say something? Well, I was just gonna say you know the fertility one's kind of interesting because you, you you pay somebody for you, whether it's a, a donor for sperm or, or or you pay them for the entire. Uh, you know, to, to hold the baby for the nine months. And then at certain levels, right, after three months, you get this, after six, after nine, after a successful baby, after the transfer. And so all kinds of different ways to kind of structure a fertility escrow. Um, there's just all How kinds of- How did you th- even think of that? So, well, again, it kind of comes down to, we saw the market turn. It was changing, right? Right now, interest rates are super high. Yep. Prices are super high. For us in escrow, all we want to see is velocity. Well, the, the Fed is choked velocity because they're trying to influence inflation. Well, so what we're saying is like, we just got to have more product to sell, right? We got So we're selling more product. We're selling it in different areas. And so um, in addition to the technology, we're also expanding our, our offering. And that those are just, that's how you entrepreneur. Yes. You have to, you have to think like that. You got to think quickly and then you got to be able to execute. And what's happening right now with the real estate industry? Talk oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Oh, it's, it's terrible. A lot yeah, of buying give it to me from, Give it to me from your... A lot of buying opportunities coming. Um, it's Everybody's scared. Because everybody in the real estate, that oh no, everything's great. It's going to keep going up. Everything's fine. It's not going to implode. It's not going to do anything. Uh. I mean, there's always... There are people transacting. Yeah. Um, different markets within counties are doing better than others. Um, so... You know, you you can go down the street and see a market that's getting getting absolutely hammered on price, and then you can go to La Jolla and, and there's no price reduction, right? The five million dollar home is still selling for five million dollars. Yeah, um, that market hasn't been hit yet, so it is very you know kind of regional and territorial. 
Uh, but overall, interest rates going up to the mid sevens. You know, a lot of people, I think, eighty-nine uh, percent of anyone who has a mortgage has it under five percent. So if you have a three or a four, you're not real excited about going and getting a seven and a half. Right. At a high price, you're you're kind of buying at the at the height. Yeah. Yeah. So prices need to come down. Interest rates need to, you know, mortgage. There need to be some better mortgage and lending options for it to kind of loosen up. But for us, so we don't care if a if a buyer gets a good deal or a seller gets a good deal. We want them both to get a good deals. We just want people to transact. And right now, there's been a a slowdown in the markets, down transaction volume wise, almost forty percent. Wow. So when since when, when 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 did it go down? Uh, for year over year, about forty okay. percent transaction wise, and it just happened within the last four months. And so what we're saying is escrow is let's expand our market, let's expand our product offering, let's continue to develop technology, and like anything, you know, a lot of really smarter, wealthier people than me are just saying, look, in these types of markets, these types of downturns are really when wealth is built. Yes, that's and right. So that's why like, look, keeping your eyes open for opportunity, for buy, buying opportunities, for selling opportunity, for everything. Like there's stuff is going to be moving and shaking over the next 12 months. Those that are ready and prepared will be set for life. For life. And it's coming. Because yeah. you, you said that 40% down, what, transactional? Is that what you said, 40% yeah, transactional, down? transactional, right. And pr so prices are still pretty high. Yeah, they are. Volumes that are transacting are low. So people that want to sell are having a hard time finding uh, buyers. And so a lot of stuff isn't going into escrow. A lot of stuff isn't closing. Stuff that's coming into escrow, we used to be uh, less than, I mean, we were probably less than 2% cancellations. We're, we're up. 26, 27%. Really? Yeah. People coming in escrow, they want to lock up the deal. Then when they get comfortable with the deal, they, they just, they're just backing out. They get, they get cold feet. We never used to see that. I mean, six months ago, never yeah. saw that. So it's, I mean, we're talking about the Fed making an impact within a really short amount of time. We're one of the first industries, real estate industry, that's seen a huge impact on some of the stuff the Fed is doing with rates. You are. So if anybody has a finger on the pulse, it's you. Well, yeah, I don't know how, I mean, I think to some degree the housing market has been cooled and is going to continue to cool for the next several months. And so in a cooling market, you're seeing a shift from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Yep. Uh, and that's what we want to see. We want to see it go to a buyer's market, yes. but it's just right now it's kind of the pendulum is just kind of stuck. So we want to see it kind of move again, but we don't think it's, I personally, again, everybody's gotten, uh, you know, kind of a trying to guess what's going to happen. I think it's not going to happen until late spring. Next year. Late spring where the prices will come down. Prices will come down. There'll be some more lending opportunity. Rates will kind of, you'll, people either buy adjustables or rates will come down a little bit and you'll start to see a, a more balanced market. In the next six to eight months, you're going to see a lot of buying opportunities where sellers are like, okay, I'm going to cash out and go rent. I'm going to move. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take the equity out before, you know, price prices start to correct. So, so go back to that because you were saying we're going to see some incredible opportunities in the next six to eight months. This is not only in real estate, but across the board, right? Yeah. Stocks, I think gonna, everything. I think you're going to see the stock market correct. I think you're going to see um, some businesses go under. I think if you're an entrepreneur, I think you should be looking at what can I add to my business yes. in, in a time where there's going to be people that either don't want to go through the downturn, they don't want to go through that swing, right? They're not willing to bump around at the bottom and maybe lose some money. Um, there's going to be some buying opportunities there. There's going to be some synergies. You can look at partnerships and M&A where they're, it's not cash transactions. I remember I never, when I was younger, I didn't really know much about um, mergers and acquisitions. And then I went out and bought a multi-million dollar printing and mailing company for very little down. There's ways to borrow yeah. money. Uh, there's ways to use seller financing. There's all kinds of different things. And looking at it from the standpoint of 
if I find something that I like, there's a way to make a deal work. Right. right, and there's especially right now when when the market is crazy. Sellers believe they have sellers of anything, businesses, yeah. personal property, uh, real estate doesn't matter. They think they have all the leverage. Well, now the leverage has swung into more of the buyer side, so buyers can start taking advantage of some of the downturn, some of the uneasiness. Like people are scared. Yeah, um, and so that that's where I think real value is is created. And and again. On any on any asset, you're making your money when you buy it. Like you on the buy, that's where you're gonna make. You know, people think, oh, I sold for this and I made this. Well, yeah, but you bought at the right time, right? right. That right. equity was created when you bought when you bought it and you held and, and those types of things. So I think right now we're seeing kind of the market shift and correct, and there's gonna be some opportunities there. And like you said, the next was it eight to twelve months that you're gonna see the massive wealth are people that are ready for it, but they're not going to, yeah, they won't realize it or recognize it for years to come. Years, but yeah. What they do over the next 12 months, I think is like, I'm, I'm doing my budget and my forecast right now. And it, I feel like I've changed it 17 times this week, right? I can't figure out exactly what I want to commit to because things are moving and shifting and changing so frequently, you yeah, know, the, it's crazy. the, the marketing or the, the, the news and the media is putting this out and then it has this impact. The feds doing this, the real estate sellers are doing it. it just, it's crazy right now. And so I think just being quick and nimble and flexible over the next 12 months and open and aware that this is happening. And while everybody gets scared, you've got to go in and, and you got to go buy, you know? And so you're already pivoting. Yeah. Yeah. Like you already Six added on ago. new products. Six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Adding on new products. Wow. So talk to me about how your company, like how big is your company now? Like so you made it through the, the, all the storms that we talked about through the partnership. Where, where, how many locations do you have? How many employees? We've got four right now in, in San Diego and Temecula. We're, we're looking to open uh, Orange County and Riverside next year. So we're, we're going to actually expand yeah. in the down market and we're going to use it as an opportunity to uh, bring in really good people, kind of similar to what we did right after the crash right. last, yeah, last yeah, time. Yeah. It's like, hey, these are the time. It's really hard when people are busy and making money to, to yeah, they don't want to move. They don't want to move. Well, right now is that opportunity over the next 12 months. So we're going to expand. Um, we are always, we're one of my commitments to the team is that I'm always, every day, we're committed to building technology that's going to be useful and helpful for, to them and our clients. So we're going to continue to invest in technology. Um, let's see what what else. I mean, we we've got a ton of office building. Yeah. Like right, we we were able to when COVID came, everybody said everybody's going to work from home forever. Well, that created a little bit of a buying yes. opportunity as well, right? So when everybody's selling, I'm buying. When everybody's buying, I'm selling. So I ended up. Uh, I, w I owned about 100 multifamily units in Oklahoma, and I sold out of that, and I 1031 that into some office space. So we're renting to ourselves, and we're creating um, equity at that at that level. Wow. So the building you're in, you own the building? Uh, three of the four. Three of the four. Yeah. And there's four between here and Temecula. And Temecula, correct. Dude, this is insane, man. What a what a story. So, I, you know, I think like that, I, I heard a long time ago, and this is, I mean, it's not something I made up, but the idea of checkers versus chess and that idea of thinking not just what your next move is going yeah. to be but like three or four or five moves ahead and also what your opponent what they're going to do this whole idea of an actual strategy versus just one you know one checker at a time that like just looking ahead and yeah. trying to anticipate and, and strategize like you're anticipating the market you're strategizing against your competition you're you're trying to expand and to grow and you're trying to win Right. Like that idea of chess, I think is super important. Go into that a little bit more because where we're at now, this mentality is imperative. Would you say like yeah. looking ahead, 
because we this this what, what we're about to experience we're already experiencing now but we're about to experience is going to be inc- unbelievable i think it's going to be yeah i think there's going to be some uh like for me i'm always looking at what are the opportunities right, right. like yeah. it's going to yeah. be chaotic because there's going to be confusion and chaos in the market i think the markets are going to go up the markets are going to go down it's really a matter of positioning yourself for what's going to happen in six months not knowing what's going to happen right so whether that's sell now create some cash Right, because you want to weather the storm. If you have like an equity line or can get an equity line, so you have a ability to go get cash. If you have rich friends talking to them, what are some of the areas in which they? I'm a big believer in talking to people, asking them questions, and seeing what they what they're seeing. Yeah, what opportunities? Right, like what is the mattress world? What can that tell me about? home ownership, right? How many people are coming in saying, I just bought a house versus right. how many own a house and are selling out? Like you, you have like, those are things that we can all learn from each other. So asking a lot of questions, especially with people that have done something with their lives and they got their pulse on some industry, like that level of, I don't say network collaboration is, yeah, yeah I think is really, is it is a lost art. We've got to ask more questions to people and try to figure out what they're doing and how we, how we, people can work together. So important, man. I mean, one and one of the ways that I take pride in, in my being 51, still 100% teachable. Like I'm always asking a million questions, especially for somebody that's done it, you know, has been there or is where I want to go, Yeah. right? Or achieve something I want to achieve. I have no problem asking them, hey, what's going on? Right. Right? Yeah. Okay, so let's land this plane here. Give me something. Let's leave out on a on an inspirational note. Give me something along the way that drives you. How How important is it? Like what drives you every day? Casey, like, give me, give me what, why are you so passionate every single minute of every day you get up, you're fired up, you got employees. What's, what's the, what's the most important thing that's driving you every day? What keeps you going? Yeah, I, I've gotten really blessed and lucky with finding something that I really love to do. Like, I, I never thought escrow was where I was going to right. land, but once I landed there and I realized like my impact that I can have. I got really excited about it. So I feel like no matter what situation you're in, people can drive from the positivity of whatever it is, right? Like I remember being in a tough situation and going, what can I learn from this? Like every single time I've gone through something tough, in the moment, I'm like, this is gonna be one of those times I've gotta learn. So in in regards to my career, when I get up, like one is that I'm super passionate about the energy and enthusiasm of getting up, morning routine, going and doing something that I really love and like, and then being able to use that with all my relationships and giving them something of enthusiasm and positivity and excitement and stuff like that. It's not to say there's not bad days, right? I think like nobody could listen to this and be like, guys, this guy like this all the time. Yeah, for the most part, but there's bad days. I get grumpy. I get, you know, mad, sad, all all, all those same things. It's just recovering quicker than that and not getting stuck. That's the thing. And I think if you can kind of focus on the positive things no matter what job or industry you're in and then rebound quicker out of the bad like just those little tweaks you'll, you'll be you'll be in a good shape and how important is it for people to realize like that we call it the why like yeah. why they're doing what they're doing how important is that like, well what? i think that goes back to some of the fundamental pieces right like if you talk about what your why is and what your bigger purpose is then you're going to always be able to get up and to go uh, kind of fight through some of that adversity Right, like my family is super important to me. My impact on my 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 team and people that are important to me, like those those things can get you up on the bad day. Like like yesterday, I was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of under the weather. Like it's really easy. We've almost been trained and manipulated to stay home when you don't feel good now. And it's like, no, no. Like I, I'm getting up and I'm fighting through this. Like we, that's not going to get it done. Like this idea of just kind of cowering and sitting at home for a couple of years, like that's not it. 
Um, yep. Not it for me. And so having a, having that bigger purpose uh, is, is going to be really key. Surrounding yourself with really good people, focusing on the fundamentals of your life, you know, your health and your happiness and the people you surround yourself, super important. All of that kind of works together. It all sounds cliche. I, it does. I, it, all, it almost is like, oh, you guys all read the same books. Yeah. Yeah. We all talk to the same people. Yeah, you listen to the same. Yeah, all of those people. It's it's like a it's like the playbook that that wins every time. That's right. You know, it's yeah. like, hey, if you do all of these things, you're going to be in a better situation. Yeah. Well, why doesn't everyone do it? I don't know. Yeah, because it's hard. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Right. Yeah, it's a lot easier just to sit at home and point fingers. That's right. Right. Yeah. So Casey, my man, dude, this has been incredible. You know, long we we I think we might be one of my longer ones, oh, which really? is which is saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably go for another two hours. We could. So, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. So, dude, I appreciate your time, Casey LeBlanc, uh, New Venture Escrow. If you're in the real estate uh, industry, or if you're selling any product, yeah. I guess you can put it in escrow with my guy. Which that I learned something today about that. Yeah. So, uh, Casey, man, I appreciate you coming in. It's been an honor. Uh, I'm so inspired by what you've done, and, and now even more so to hear your story on how you were down at the lowest lows and fought your way back, stayed positive. The messages that you brought forward today, man, super inspiring. This was awesome. Thanks, man. I, yeah. I, I appreciate you having me on. This has been a great experience. Yeah. Really fun to talk about. I, I, there's at least 75% of this I, had, I don't think I've talked about in, in uh, ever. You know, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's nice to, to have a conversation and try, try to remember some of the things that you've done over the, the last year. We, we get so busy. We, do, we just don't yeah. reflect as much as we as we probably should. But as we should. Super fun to do. Super fun to tell the stories. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on. And some of the stories, like, that's what that meant everything for me to tell the 75% you've never even talked about. Because yeah. that's what we want to do here is dig up some stuff that, frankly, we should be all kind of reminiscing and talking about, you know, to be proud of for what we've done, like how far we've come. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So awesome. Casey, LeBlanc, appreciate you, man. Real deal talk. That's a wrap, baby. Let's Real go. Deal. Huh? Awesome. Thanks, man. You got it, bro. Appreciate it.